Hello and welcome to the Suspense is Killing Us podcast. I am Emily. Travis. It's me, Matt. Hi. Yay, we're all here. Hey. And I am so hungover. And I apologize. <laughs> I apologize if I'm not as brilliant and funny as normal. Maybe I'll be funnier, though. Who knows? We'll find out. We're we'll finding find out right now. Everyone's finding out right now, literally. That's why we're re- that's why we're recording remotely, by God. Because I just couldn't fucking make it. We can't, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't have Emily out there interacting with the world. Yeah, so, driving a car, yeah, making it, decisions, talking to strangers. America doesn't need that shit. No, keep me inside. <laughs> Actually, you made the right choice. I think so. And you have lovely plants in, in the background there. Thank you. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, they do look good in the background. That's where they should be. I'm glad that they're not in front of you. Also, I have all my beverages. Okay, a di- two. A Diet Coke in the fridge. Oh, shit. Are you, gonna bust into, are you going to bust into that Diet Coke during the recording? Oh, yeah. You know I will. Oh, wow. <laughs> I might bust out just to get in, and just get a big bowl of ice cream while we're recording. And Dude, that. you I was, should. I was thinking about it. <laughs> I also have leftover Chinese food. Maybe I'll microwave that while we're recording. Ooh, that sounds good, too. <laughs> the possibilities are endless. Matt, what, what do you have? Anything? Do you have Nothing. anything, Matt? Do you have anything? No. no, not right now. I can vouch. I mean, it truly, Matt has nothing from the view that nothing. we've that we've that we've got from. <laughs> it is just a white wall. <laughs> Matt, in Matt's in a blank. He's in a white room. Yeah, I just escaped from THX eleven thirty eight right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you'd, you'd be surprised what a doodle do to stop. Don't happen to have Donald Pleasance as a roommate. Oh Dude, what, no! What's a doodle do? What a dude will do. Come What's on. a doodle do? Any doodle do. Any doodle do. Well. 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 We're talking about some of our favorite kinds of friends this episode. We Ooh, are. Yes. We're talking about buddies. Uh, but before we, before <laughs> we get into that, can I talk about my woes on oh, the podcast? Yes. Uh, the boiler is broken Whoa. in my apartment. Yes. You're right, man. Uh, the boiler is broken in my apartment and I don't have hot water. You right still now. don't? Yes, not until Monday. Cold showers for you. I've, I've been taking cold showers in the winter. That Brisk. might be invigorating, though. It was. It, let me tell you this. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just a clean guy. I'm like a cat. I can't, I can't not be clean. <laughs> you can't stop licking yourself. <laughs> I'm a big, fat, gross guy, and it goes bad real fast. I, I can't be like one of those people who takes like two showers a week or something like that. It needs. <laughs> this shit needs to happen every day, or it goes real wrong. Um. So it wasn't an option not taking a shower. So I hopped into the shower a couple days ago and I, and it does feel this. We're talking about like 37 degree water. It is, it is freezing. I, I didn't take the temperature of the water, but it's freezing. And uh, and you, you get to have that thing like where you go, you know, like you, the, right. the, the wind comes out, like several times during during the process of taking this this cold shower. And uh, and you do feel like you're gonna die for a couple hours or for for a, a couple minutes. You're for like, a couple oh, hours. couple hours. <laughs> for a couple well, it feels hours. like hours. Like Travis, get like out hours. of there. It really does feel like hours. But for like two minutes, I was like, oh, I uh, I should have looked this up to see if this was healthy. I I am going to die. Um, my body is shutting down. The the heat is uh, the the blood is leaving my organs. Like all that sort of stuff <laughs> to protect my core or whatever it is. Um, and then eventually, like after a couple minutes more, you sort of get used to it. And by the end, I was like, I had the endorphin rush that mm. those people, like the polar bear club people do when they jump mm-hmm. into the freezing water. And I got out of the shower. I was like, yeah, let's fucking go, everybody. 
And, and so now was, you're never looking back. Now you're no, only no, going to take freezing showers for the rest oh, of your life. Oh, I wish that was the case because I was kind of looking forward to getting to taking a shower the next time. I was like, that was kind of fun the last time. And I got into the shower yesterday and that did not happen the second time. And I, <laughs> I just felt like I just felt like I was going to die the whole time. And then my joints hurt when I got out. Oh, no. Just shivering. I was just shivering. I didn't get an endorphin rush. And then my hands like the joints in my hands like hurt for a couple hours afterwards. Your gnarled, <laughs> twisted fingers. Yeah, it started doing rigor mortis like yeah. too soon. I think rigor mortis started happening to me. Can't you just like go to Christie's to take a shower? I did yesterday. Um, but you know, I can't stay there forever. Sure. Uh, and, and they did say that they're going they're gonna have it fixed by Monday and they're gonna give me a credit for $150 oh, uh, nice. rent. Because they really because the apartment needs to have hot water. It's kind of yeah. like the law. Um that's what President's Day is for to get your hot water fixed. So the whole time I was taking this shower, the second time I was just going, $150, $150, $150. Is like some fucked up game show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How many cold showers can you stand for $150? I mean, they got that show where people slap each other now. I mean, it's only a matter what? of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but it's just they slap each other. And like that's, that's like on whole, right that's now. That's a whole sport. Yeah. Like and an actual show that's on like right now about people slapping each other. Absolutely. And people keep getting knocked unconscious. And would you believe it? It's controversial. Have you guys heard you think- about uh, MILF Manor? <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> Good. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Uh, Absolutely incredible. I haven't I haven't started it yet, but I know I it's will. It's their sons, right? It's their sons, yeah. That is so fucking hot. And then they're all fucking each other's sons. Yeah. What a yeah. great what a great country we got going here. Love America. That's like a 30 rock joke brought to life. It, it literally is. is. Insane. Yeah, somebody had a somebody put out a tweet of a clip from Thirty Rock, and I think the t- title of the show was Milf Manor or something, or something yeah, very, something Milf extremely Island. Milf Island. That's right. Extremely yeah, and now close. it's real. Yeah, very very cool. We're doing great. Circling the drain, <laughs> America. Circling the drain, twenty twenty three. I love it. One hundred percent America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that show where people slap each other, they keep knocking people unconscious, which is really bad for you. I read uh, a whole article in like the New Yorker about that. In <laughs> the New places. Yorker? You know, something like that, or like the Atlantic or something. Jesus. And they've got like all these like MMA people are like, this is bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, uh, like people who beat school, each other to death for a living are like, I don't think this is okay. <laughs> it's like in middle school when people used to like choke each other until they passed out to like get high. What the I, fuck are you talking I, about? I do remember hearing about that. I never I never encountered it. <laughs> I never did it. I'm just saying like Is this like, like one of those fake things like a rainbow party? It might be like a rainbow <laughs> no, party. No, it's real. I swear it's probably real. Where you, you would like choke your friend <laughs> until they passed out and then like the rush was crazy. Uh having, having so it's passed like out, it's not good. It's the rush is very not good. No, you're you're really not you're really not you're, supposed to do that. It's bad. Yeah, you guys for you. have just been doing it wrong. You get so high, man. <laughs> I thought for a second you were going to be like, yeah, I remember in middle school when people used to choke each other while they were fucking jerking each other off and stuff. Oh, my oh, God. These, these are 12-year-old kids. kids. What are you talking about? Kids no, I went days. to Catholic school, so that was all happening. So that was definitely and happening all the time. Behind closed doors. Oh, my. You went to Catholic school? Yeah, until I was in eighth grade or until high school, I guess. What's the school called? Why? I, I, is it Our Lady of the something or other? No, I went to Holy Rosary. 
Wow. <laughs> oh man, it's just that shit's so alien to me. I Shout find out really, Holy Rosary. <laughs> I find it really. I find it really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And then I went holy, to public high school. Holy Rosary. So. Did you like public high school better, or did you feel like you were getting gypped? I liked public high school a lot better. Okay. I was I was fine. Anymore. Oh, that's right. Oh <laughs> yeah. Don't say that word. Ed, edit that. I out. apologize to the Romani people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what a time. Yeah, we're, having we're, a good time ha- we're having today. Speaking of good times with pals. Oh boy. Favorite kinds of friends. One? I don't I don't know if we've quite this we've quite I did want to put it out there because Corey was what very about proud of this. Friend zone. <laughs> Friend zone's pretty good. Where it's it's like Buddy Cop also ran Buddy Cop movies from the late eighties. Well, actually into the into nineteen ninety. Um but uh we got Corey had his had his submission was Buddy Cop Bumper Crop that we Close. like, but is probably a little a little much. Uh, Too buddy, sweaty. we had Buddy System, like the easy one. Um I said Duolingo. <laughs> I don't it doesn't really make sense, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> I like, I like that one, but still. I like Buddy System. I think I think buddy systems are default. We'll go to that if we don't find something like really good. It's okay. like not inspiring, but it works and it and it says it all. Yeah. Um, but the movies are, of course, Shakedown, 1987, 1988, 88, the greatest movie ever made. We're going <laughs> to I'm, I'm glad we get to talk about that first. Renegades starring Lou Diamond Phillips and Kiefer Sutherland, 1989. Surprisingly and, good. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to talk about it. And Ach Dune Tune, Downtown, uh, (laughs) 1990, uh, an extremely strange movie. Uh, Great batch of movies, I have to say. I don't know if they're all like really good movies, but they're all pretty fascinating. They were fun. I thought they were really fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. They they also uh, each one of them defied my expectations in very specific ways. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know anything about downtown i'd never heard of it before and so you can imagine my surprise putting that movie in and being like oh it's this it's whatever this is it's fucking weird man insanely violent like out of nowhere sometimes (laughs) and it's like a comedy but but then it's not uh yeah very weird movie crazy choices um but you can't spell crazy choices without shakedown one thing I promise not to do in this courtroom is to pretend to you that I am representing Snow White for a client. An overworked lawyer. Once upon a time, all I planned to do was play the tennis sax forever. An undercover cop. This gun is clean. No serial numbers. They're up against a city where the bad guys have taken over. My client will make bail. And the good guys are the worst of all. You cops, you're the best that money can buy. Fifty k a month in evidence disappears. Plan on taking down an army? I don't know yet. Hang on tight, partner. Oh, I see. The ride gets rougher than this. You betcha. That's true. James Glickenhouse. McBain guy. I yep, and I, you guys know how I James felt. Glickenhouse. How I felt about McBain. I thought it was McBoring. Oh my God. <laughs> very cool. That's uh, great. That great. Instead of shaking you down, this one shook you up. This one shook me up a little. You like I it? Li- I really liked this one. Man, I thought it was. Thank God. 
I loved all of the like 42nd Street, like oh, yeah. all the marquees, just like mm-hmm. how they shot the city was so rad. All yeah. the like dirty clubs and like strip joints and shit. Love that. This is one thing that I've come to learn is that James Glickenhouse, in addition to quickly becoming one of my favorite directors, it shoots the shit out of New York. Like, yeah. he, did, he did this with McBain too. There was that whole middle period in New York and you'd be like, wow, that's kind of breathtaking. And same with this yeah. movie. Pretty impressive. Yeah, there was a, a scene good director on the of action too. He's that a good rooftop director. scene where it was like yeah. they were like having dinner or whatever, and it was just like overlooking the entire city. That was insane. Is that in Peter Weller's girlfriend's apartment? Yeah, and she's supposed to be like the poor one. Like it's he's torn between the rich girl and the poor girl, <laughs> and she has a, uh, a p- apartment overlooking Central Park. Yeah, in New York City. That I, I think I would I would assume these days would go for. 70 million dollars 70 billion dollars yeah a month a month a month <laughs> not including utilities and, and she and, and while she and while she's on this like patio in a 70 billion dollar apartment she's like you always liked money or whatever <laughs> you know, like, look at You're where like, you so live. do you lady my god and like so do all of us is anybody going to address this peter uh, weller's yuppie scum good guy in this movie it was a uh, total mood Man, Peter Weller's what a great. character. Peter Weller and Sam Elliott just absolutely given exactly what you want from them. They don't seem to be aware that they're in this a, a trashy, stupid movie. They uh, don't even seem to be aware that they're in the same movie together. <laughs> That's one of the fun things about this movie is that it's just filled with different kinds of stuff that doesn't really belong in the same movie, and yet it does. Like, Sam Elliott is the this down-and-out, grizzled detective who lives in a movie theater? What? Yes, yes, he does. He's so cool, and his oh. hair is so good. He looks he looks exactly how you want Sam Elliott to look. He's mm-hmm. just grizzled I mean, and, har- this and hard-looking. Guy, this guy escaped his, uh, his dilemma in this film and went on to help with the double deuce with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> that was That was after this. This patent's was, practically was, the same character. Was Roadhouse, yeah. uh, Roadhouse was after this movie? 89 89 wow it's it's Good all about sam elliott telling stories at the bar like that's all i oh. want and if i'm not mistaken robocop was this year isn't robocop, uh, RoboCop was 87 damn it but either mm. way we're, we're really uh sam elliott and peter weller are both in the fucking pocket at this time yeah they Pretty are incredible. On, this whole movie is just on one it's on it is 100 percent on one this movie is 100 percent that bitch uh, <laughs> this, this movie is a hundred percent that bitch. This, this movie mo- ate it up and left no crumbs. <laughs> this movie, this movie is bay. This movie is bay. It's goat. It's goat. It's goat. It's goaded with the sauce. It's goaded with the sauce. <laughs> Anyways, I stand. Uh, I stand. Shakedown. I just want to give you an idea of just kind of like how nuts this movie is from the and it's from the very beginning. It starts and it goes like this until the end, where you're constantly going like, "Wow, I didn't see that coming," or "What." What kind of movie is this? Um, the first thing that you hear is a Red Hot Chili Peppers cover of Subterranean Homesick Blues. So like, yeah. I'm in the living room. <laughs> Think about the government. <laughs> and then you see a close up of a guy smoking crack. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's in like two seconds time. You get on, you get this horrible song, this the weirdest, stupidest song of all time. And then a close up <laughs> of a dude smoking crack. The most horrible song that made me write soundtrack rules so far in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) And and this is and this this is a dude the the dude who is smoking crack. This is a diegetic music because he's listening to this song on his boombox, and 
as somebody uh, shortly thereafter, and this hurt my feelings a little bit, shortly thereafter goes like, I don't like that shit. I don't like that fucking rap music. And it's like, we're not calling this rap music, dude. This is the Red Hot Chili Peppers covering the whole subterranean homesick blues. We do not call this rap music. That is deeply insulting to rap music. I thought of they course. just called it rap because of the rhythm. You know, rap, rap, rapidity tap. Well, you, know, you that's pretty good, man. Wow, Matt. <laughs> Who knew? We're we're pretty blown away here. Um, yeah, and and the dealer, and I also was hoping because like this this dealer has got this patter that he says to the to the guy who comes up. Did you recognize that guy from Twenty Four, Matt? Yeah, it's Jude Chickalella. Jude Chickalella. I don't remember his character's name on Twenty Four, but he was on several. Uh, yeah, pieces. he was President Palmer's fixer. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's he only is in this movie for like thirty seconds, and he's mm -hmm. and he looks. He's like, I want to buy some crack from you, sir. And then the guy who goes one I got crack, please. One crack, please. Doesn't look like uh, you know, the, the the usual clientele, I would assume. Uh, but this guy goes, I got ups, downs, smiles, frowns, got smoke, got blow, take you anywhere you want to go. And and for a little <laughs> while great. I was hoping like this whole movie was gonna be in like in like verse. And rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the the that guy is Richard Brooks from uh early seasons Law and Order. Wow. Mm. Not bad. Uh I mean there's a this is a pretty good pretty good cast a lot of people pop into this where you're like way it's pretty neat and so and then and then uh the dude from 24 what did you say his name was again jude chickalella 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 yep. sounds fake but i'll take chickalella pasta bella fake name wow matt <laughs> you're, you're so, on fire you're, matt you're seriously you're making up for the fact that we're not in person here <laughs> bringing it uh yeah he blows that he blows I this guy bitch. away but we don't. I uh, uh, that bitch. I am a raw that bitch. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why. But uh, we we don't see what happens here. They kind of like cut to the aftermath of the incidents because the incident in question becomes a subject of the trial that is sort of the central focus of the movie. Um, right. But For some reason, way, Jude Chickalella is lies dead. And, He's hundred uh, percent dead. He's the drug. The drug dealer has been shot and is lying on the ground and then the, you see like the the emts and whatever like showing up and <clears throat> everybody's mad and then this is this then we cut to and just to let you know how perfect this movie is peter weller making a cop blender a gross cop blender drink yeah you gotta have one you gotta have one i love it we got coffee we got orange juice we got milk and we got an egg it's not the grossest no. smoothie we've seen on the show but it is a cop smoothie I'm happy to I'm happy to see it, but it 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 needs like one more like a, it needs like an extra gross thing. That's it needed why I, like a like a cigarette butt. Yeah, <laughs> that would really <laughs> escalate it really fast. <laughs> it's pretty normal drink and now trash now, now garbage in there. Okay. Obviously, uh, we discussed the blender drink in End of Days that is, that might be the end all be all of of oh yeah it's the end of days of because he, he's literally picking stuff up off the floor and putting it in there. It's that's great. Uh, Peter Weller is not uh, is is not completely bereft like Arnold Schwarzenegger is in that movie. He's he just wants to have a, a healthy drink, but it still looks pretty gross. He refers to it as homemade orange Julius. Is that like Which, what I used I used to love orange Julius, but like not like that. I don't think that's how you make one. It's not like, not like that. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> it's not that far from it. Or, <laughs> orange Julius is milk and orange juice. Uh, and then they would sometimes put an egg in there. They did not put just coffee grounds into it. We have uh, Orange Julius at home. <laughs> orange Julius at home. <laughs> there are Orange Julius on this floor? Well, I can tell you this one. It's half full. 
<laughs> oh, I don't know. Just, oh, just drink a toilet bowl. He'll be back. Uh, uh, Peter Weller is a um, is a uh, defense. He's a public defender. The public he's defender. a public defender right now, and he's moving up to the big leagues. He's going private to Wall Street. Yeah, he's he's married to a rich uh, a rich man's daughter. They're not married yet. Or he's he's she's his fiance. Yeah, I believe. And, and she is, he, she's like, what are you drinking? She's like giving him a little bit of a hard time about being a lawyer and, and the music he's listening to because he's listening to Jimi Hendrix. And she's like, Haze. I don't like heavy metal. He's like, baby, <laughs> I love you. I want to marry you, but uh, this is not heavy metal. It's just the worst bullshit conversation and maybe ever that's been put into a domestic situation in a movie before. Also, <laughs> he does not love that woman. Like, it's immediately clear that he doesn't like her. They have zero chemistry. They just exist in the same space. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they seem equally awful. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Peter Weller is like one of those one of those classic movie characters who like, you, don't you love this guy? And you're like, I, do I? <laughs> he seems like an <laughs> asshole. Yuppie scum immediately. He's just totally get this guy scum. out of here. <laughs> He's he's always where he he's like uh, one of those one of those yuppie dudes who's like self styles himself as kind of like an edgy um, uh, outsider kind of guy because he listens to yeah. Hendrix you know like right no no I'm cool I listen to the Dead man used to be a little counterculture I've got a Deadhead sticker on my Cadillac I'm cool you know, <laughs> that kind of thing this is what he says to his girlfriend when she walks into his fiance when she walks into the room. What's the haps, babe? <laughs> Drop it. Drop it, babe. He says, Your move, the, babe. What's the what's haps? What's the haps, babe? I'm going to start saying that. I'll what's say that as haps? soon as Nick comes out of the bathroom in a second. <laughs> what's the haps, babe? What's the haps, babe? <laughs> Uh, so yes, he, he, he does. He's not in love with his fiance, and that becomes a, a plot point later on. And, uh, and then he uh, the next thing uh, oh and her dad is is a is a rich rich man and she calls him daddy you better believe she calls him daddy and he doesn't yeah. like peter weller because peter weller's just like different yeah because he's a little edgy man he's, he's a little like counterculture yeah. he wears like rock shirts and stuff like that then he says and what's terrible ties and terrible ties and he says what's the haps babe he says things like what's the haps babe and so forth <laughs> Um, and then he, um, we see a little bit of his life, uh, being a district attorney, like going into the prison cell and seeing all the, pri- you know, the prisoners and, uh, we get a, we get a fun joke where like one of the guards says, the mayor says we got to offer every convict a condom a day along with counseling about safe sex. This is a great bit. Oh. <laughs> and then they hand one of the convicts a condom and then he looks at the other guy and is like, mm? and the, and the other guy's like, oh no. <laughs> So, no, no, that's not what happens. No, he said, it's, I don't need one or something. No, there's a reg, there's like a white dude in there. And the guard yeah. is like, hey, you know, we're supposed to give out a condom to every inmate and tell them about safe sex. And the guy's like, oh, my God, what? And then this large black man also in the tank with him walks up and goes, I want a condom. Yeah, that's and the joke. They hand, they hand him a condom and he looks at the guy and the guy's like, oh, no. Yeah, it's like, oh, no. It's oh, no. The joke very, is prison, prison rape. Yay. <laughs> We in the, the 80s, my favorite prison humor. The eighties and nineties loved prison rape jokes. Mm. Nothing was funnier oh, in the world. Nothing than, hit the spot like one. Than a horror, horrible, <laughs> horrible thing. Just an at-home Orange Julius and a prison rape joke, and that's all. All these eighties scumbags needed. Absolutely, exactly. We loved it, and, and this movie does think it's funny sometimes. Uh, it's a, it's a very strange movie. It's hard to pin it down like tonally. Like, is this movie taking itself seriously? Is it is it not? Is it a comedy? Like. Like it's it's hard to say. Either way, it's just one awesome thing after another. 
because then we meet uh, Sam Elliott, who is like the only good cop. This is yes. class. This is classic Glickenhaus. Glickenhaus believes stuff, as we learned from McBain, but he's also right. dumb. So, so he he's got this weird combination of cynicism and naivety, <clears throat> naivete, um, where he he's like yeah, he but does believe that crack is like a huge epidemic that's destroying the country and like we got to lock up the poisoners but also mm. the cops are wildly corrupt like every single cop is dirty except for sam elliott who lives yeah. in a movie theater who lives in a movie theater that is showing james glickenhouse's last movie the soldier that's right oh what that's crazy i didn't catch that yeah this, this was the movie with all the skiing action oh man yeah that's the soldier and fun fact about the soldier it's a fun movie it's a, it's it's not great but it's fun um it stars ken wall it's like a spy action kind of movie. Um, and it also has a Tangerine Dream score that is almost entirely a reorchestration of a piece of music from a thief called Beach Scene. Wow. Weird. Uh, it's, got, it's very weird. It has this opening credit sequence. It's got all this like these file photos of like, you know, political figures. And, and <laughs> the last four shots of it are, are a picture of Khomeini. Then one of Castro and Muammar Gaddafi holding hands, and then one, <laughs> then one of Lekwalesa, huh? And then, and then finally the United States flag. Oh wow! <laughs> it's like well, that's powerful. Whatever you man. say, the soldier. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that with Glickenhaus movies. Just whatever you say, dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay, man. Yeah. It looks good to me. These things yeah. I believe by James Glickenhaus. Um, it's some a, of the it's other a cool movie if you want to check it out, though. I'm, Some of I'm the other planning. movies on the marquee, there was Death Wish 4, mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and I believe The Hidden, if the I'm Hidden. not mistaken, this is which important. is a good fucking movie. This well, is Elm Street 3 is not Jack Shoulder, but... No, no, no. It's it's incredibly close. On the same marquee is The Hidden and Nightmare 3. So it's okay. very close. Jack Shoulder, who directed Renegades, that we'll be talking about next, directed The Hidden and Nightmare yeah. 2. Oh, shit. Yeah. Shit's crazy, man. And if you haven't seen The Hidden out there, anyone who's oh, it's great. Yeah. you got to see that shit. Outstanding yeah. movie. Really funny. Really weird. Uh, so and Speaking of really funny, really weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, Crack's a huge problem. Like, at a certain point, like, Peter Weller's hanging out with Sam Elliott in the lobby of this movie theater that he works in. I think Sam Elliott lives on popcorn because he gets he gets himself a popcorn. I don't have me breakfast popcorn. And then he's well, like, a, he meets <laughs> he meets Peter Weller and Peter Weller's like, come on, I'll buy us some lunch. And then they go downstairs to the counter and Peter Weller buys a popcorn. Yeah. Which is just the thing that you do. And they're walking. And then on. goes outside and buys him a hot dog. <laughs> and gives it to Sam Elliott. That's right. And I really like the bit where he's got the hot dog because the guy who the hot dog vendor is like holding it, waiting. Will somebody please take this fucking hot dog out of my hand? While Sam Elliott is going on some rant about all the dirty cops, it just keeps cutting back to over over behind Peter Weller's shoulder is this hot dog vendor just going like, "You want a fucking hot dog? dog. He didn't know he was being filmed. Unbelievable. Uh, A hot dog kind of sounds good. We're we're all at home. We could be eating hot dogs right now. We 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 could all be eating hot dogs right now. Did you guys know there's a Derwiner schnitzel in Everett? I did not. We got to make a road trip. Have you guys ever had a uh, Korean corn dogs? I, yes. I don't believe it. It sounds oh, great. Oh boy. Oh boy. I haven't had one. I really want to try one. There's some places up in Shoreline. I think there might also be one downtown, like kind of by the the stadiums. 
Mm. Anyway, let's pile in Emily's car after we're done recording and go to Dervina Schnitzel and then pick up a Korean corn dog <laughs> on the way back. The only thing getting me out of this house is the promise of hot dogs. Squad, <laughs> squad goals. Squad goals. Dog yes. goals. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you if you don't love uh, the fact that Sam Elliott lives in a movie theater in this, then I don't know. He keeps he's like goes into the bathroom and there's a bunch of graffiti <laughs> all in the bathroom. He keeps his toiletries in the fuse box. And so he like pulls yes. out his toothbrush and toothpaste from the fuse box and I'm brushing my teeth. And uh and and it's wonderful. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just marveling at your ridiculous Sam Elliott impersonation. It's, it's spot on. <laughs> I'm, brushing, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm brushing my teeth. Yeah, that uh, impression's up there. That's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the people will love it. It's we better get than it. Bradley Cooper's. Uh Bradley yeah. Cooper's Sam Elliott? Yeah, he's That's doing a Sam Elliott impression in uh in uh Stars Born. Stars Born. Yeah. Oh, because they're. Have you not seen that, Emily? No, I have. It's good stuff. Uh, we we're introduced to some dirty cops at this point who are driving around um a witness that they're going to lean on. I, I'm never a hundred percent clear on exactly what's happening in the plot in this. Mm-hmm. All you need to know is bad crack dealers, bad cops, Peter Weller and Sam Elliott, the only two good guys in New York City, uh, yeah. trying trying to do some sort of justice. Uh, but this is this is one of the guy, one of the bad cops, um, and this is how you know it, it, a bad a person is evil, especially in a James Glickenhouse movie, because this guy goes like, ah, I'm gonna, you know, the guys that you want me to narc on are gonna kill me, and they go, oh, you think that's bad? We're gonna put you in with Big Leroy, a 350 pound bull N word F word. Oh boy! And when you get out in five years, you, maybe in five years, maybe you'll be able to look up your asshole and see the sky. I wrote that down as well. That's poetry. <laughs> poetry, an, baby. An astonishing, <laughs> astonishing line. How would that even happen? My God, we're in Gritsville, USA. <laughs> but it's but it's a whole different kind of gritty. This isn't like narc gritty. This is this is like a cartoon. This is like cartoon gritty or something. I don't know how to explain it. Uh we get this we get this fantastic crack club called Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Vondi Curtis Hall is like the host of it or something. He's like, welcome to Wonderland via TV. And then you go in and it's a crack. It's a fancy high end crack club. Yeah. People Haven't seem to be enjoying themselves. Yeah. People are. Yeah. There's a there's a place called the crematorium. I think that's where the the main crack smoking happens. I liked that. I like a good theme. There's a lot of sexy ladies. You get to see a lady getting turned out by the main bad guy, Mr. Nick, Mr. Nicky Carr. Who's great? I don't know the act. I don't know the actor's name, but this is when they're busting Nikki. They use it. They use a grenade to blow down the door. <laughs> this is the, this is like the cops, and they use a grenade to blow down the door. They they uh, they grab Mr. Nikki and arrest him. He's he's one of the ba- main bad guys in this movie, and then they start torturing a guy with a taser. Yeah, nobody's good in um, this movie. Since you since you mentioned it, the the actor is Antonio Fargus. Antonio Fargus, Starsky yes. and Hutch. He played Huggy Bear. That's right. Mm. He's great. Yeah. He gets to be doing a lot of sinister frowning and stuff like that. And he's a very distinctive looking gentleman, and he's he's and he's using it to his benefit. He's constantly just being like, just like real mean looking. <laughs> I love him. Uh, and our, and around this point, so so they're both Peter Weller and Sam Elliott are very, you know, burned out and sad about the way of, about how everything's corrupt in both sides of the law uh, that they're working with. And we get um, Sam Elliott in a bar telling Peter Weller the story of uh, 
of his girlfriend's dog. Oh my god, this was <laughs> yeah. this was incredible. One of the many many highlights of this movie, P- possibly my favorite part of the whole movie. Absolutely wild. Uh, I don't know how to summarize it. Someone else summarize it. Just, <laughs> do you have it written down? I have some of it written down. I would be happy to summarize. Please it. Please do. I love it. He's like they're they're kind of talking about love and stuff like that, and he's like, I met the love of my life once. Uh, never even got to tell her, you know, she was the love of my life because <laughs> I, I killed her dog. And you're like, that's interesting. Say more. And he, <laughs> tell me the whole story. And he's like, we were out having a good time or whatever. Came back to her apartment and uh, I was throwing a tennis ball back and forth and dog would come get it. I'll never forget the sound of that dog's paws on the newly waxed floor. How was I supposed to know she left the window open? <laughs> Jesus Christ. He, threw the, he throws the tennis ball, goes out the window. The dog jumps out the window, falls 13 stories. Yikes. <laughs> he lands on a car and dies. And Sam Elliott concludes his story, his story by going, I looked down, threw up, and left. And that was the end of that. The he, detail that he threw up after he looked outside was fucked up. <laughs> it's the best part of the whole story. Because you're visualizing this whole thing, and then you just see him looking out the window, barfing, and then leaving. <sighs> and it's Sam Elliott directing this with all the gravity of a, that a Sam Elliott brings, and and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then and he never he, talked to her again. I never talked to her again. And then I started living in the movie theater, and that's my whole story. <laughs> that's the whole thing. It's his Joker I, origin I think it's story. Like how, it's his Joker origin story. I think it's how he became so <laughs> so grizzled and disaffected. I think so. But he learns to believe in things again. I, I I wanted to point out this is uh the the second movie in two years uh where Sam Elliott tells a story to his sidekick Dalton in a bar. Dalton is the name of Patrick Swayze's character in Roadhouse. Also, Peter Weller in this. What, what <laughs> the hell? Yes, <laughs> I love it. I That's love this weird. kind of stuff. There's a couple big action scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh, we haven't talked about the love the other lady love old yeah. love interest the prosecutor yeah. the prosecuting yeah. attorney patricia charbonneau they who were was famous in... at this time for being in a movie called desert hearts have you guys heard of this oh yes this i've heard good. of it yeah desert hearts was like an early 80s like a mid 80s uh, but but you know early days uh like lesbian drama like a love story yeah it's it the... has a very lengthy sex scene in it oh. gas food lodging director is it i think, I think. Unless no, I just I made that up. So. Maybe I just watched them around the same time, so I linked them in my brain. Could be. Uh, I believe it was directed by a woman named Donna Deach. Well, Donna she did Deech. something else then that I liked, but who knows? To, yeah. to, de- to Deach her own. There we go. Thank you. Desert hats. <laughs> Desert hats. Desert hats. But she used to be in love with uh, they used to be in love with uh, she used to be in love with Peter Weller and something happened along the way. I think she got like sick of his bullshit. Yeah, she got sick of his bullshit. Like all women, she got sick of his bullshit. <laughs> I can't remember what her, her complaints are. He keeps he keeps thinking she thinks of him as some sort of crusading Clarence Darrow type lawyer. And he's like, no, I'm just as burned out and like compromised as anybody else. I'm not some great guy. And she wants better for him or something like that. She And she also just doesn't like that. He keeps defending all these scumbags and stuff as if that isn't like literally the definition of his job to, you know, as a defense attorney. And she is a prosecuting attorney. Yeah. What the I would, you would think she understands <laughs> how the system works. Um, but that that happens in movies all the time. What are you going to do? And uh, he, they start sleeping with each other pretty quick. 
they're constantly there's that scene where he like he's at her apartment and she's like if we keep doing this then you have to stay the night next time <laughs> yeah exactly like, yeah oh, meanwhile geez. his like fiance even though she is like kind of ditzy or whatever it's like she's carrying on like everything's you know going well and he's not even telling her it's fucking no. rude it's disrespectful he's a, nice he's a piece of shit it's really yeah. not nice we're, we're but we're really i don't feel like we're supposed to think anything about the, the fact that he's just openly and there's even a part later on where he's he's like hey this is just bad to do this is just bad form as as a personal matter and it's bad form as a professional matter because they are the prosecuting and defense attorney on opposing yeah. sides of a trial and they're like kissing in the hallway where there's people walking around seriously and it's then madness. there's that scene where she like his wife like comes around the corner like right after that Seconds it's like afterwards. It's, be careful you're a high profile fucking attorney what are you doing She's like his girlfriend's like, hey, Mr. Attorney, smooch, smooch. And he's like, all right, see you later. And then just that second, his girl, his, his girlfriend, his fiance comes around with her dad. And with news that she's pregnant. <laughs> that's right. Goodness gracious. Oh I, I don't believe is true. No. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's supposed to be that, true. It, it concluded it. in such a weird way. <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, this. oh, man. Well, we'll get to it. But if, but first, there's a couple really awesome action scenes in this. Uh one where the, these um, Peter Weller and Sam Elliott are trying to find this guy who's who's a witness that both both sides need and uh, a super evil bad guy electrocutes him on a bed. So that's already pretty <laughs> cool in a in a brothel. This is on the top floor of like a building. And uh, and the guy the guy run, the guy who does the electrocution is down on the floor is is down on the ground floor at this point. Peter Weller are on the top floor of the building. And at a certain point, Sam Elliott, like. Like, freeze from the top floor to the ground level. And I they... love your Sam Elliott so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just has that je ne sais quoi. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. Uh, but we get this amazing stunt where, uh, well, A, this guy first mows down a bunch of fucking people. He throws two knives at, two, at like two cops. And then he mows down a bunch of just innocent people on the street. It's that kind of movie. Beautiful. And then, and then Sam Elliott gets onto a pole and like take it's like a classic stunt where he like rides the pole down and like lands on top of a bus. Just classic like uh, B movie stunt shit. I loved it. And then they get into a hilarious car chase where the guy is driving a his stolen a cop car and then they're driving in a in a motor trike. And they're driving through like a through like which a, they just they just take. They, they took the motor trike from from some scumbag bikers. Yeah, they look yeah. cool in it. And they look very cool. Sam Elliott's driving. Peter Weller's in the back with a gun. And then they're just chasing down this guy. And he ends up, and it, this actually reminded me of a stunt in Lethal Weapon 4, uh, I think. Uh -huh. You remember that? Uh, where the the cop car that this guy's driving, after they plow through a bunch of like shanty towns and shit like that, the cop car like flies off the end of this freeway and lands on its roof. And then Sam Elliott kind of like is dangling from the top of this freeway on a, like a piece of fence. And then he, and then the guy gets out of his car and he's like, ha ha die copper. And Sam Elliott shoots the trike that blows up. Doesn't quite mm -hmm. do it. So he shoots the cop car and then that blows up and it finally kills him. Great. It's This is the kind of movie where if you shoot a thing, it blows up. It blows up no matter what. And you know, it will. And it will. Was this before or after the weird like cop choreography where these the cops like surround him and they all like take off their badges at the same time? Yeah, you remember this? I do remember yeah, that. that. Was it, wild. Was, it was so weird. They like every time the camera moved to him, they were like, like taking off 
I mean, that sounded like a gun, the noise I made, but that was uh, <laughs> taking off a, a badge. <laughs> yeah, they're taking off their badge. They're, they're intimidating him. Yeah. Because he's on the, you know, he's messing with the wrong people. But they had to yeah. have practiced it. It just looks so flawless. It never seems to be a problem with Sam Elliott that he's uh, aggressively on Peter Weller's side and is against dirty cops. The dirty cops, I guess, are maybe afraid of him because he's so badass or something like that. But it doesn't and, really well, seem to be a... And he introduces Peter Weller to the term blue jean cop, which is a dirty cop. Oh. Which is the, another title for this movie, it looks like. That was the original title of the movie, yeah. Blue Jean Cop, in this case, because Sam Elliott describes it to him. He's like, I spent all their money on designer blue jeans. That's oh. the whole point. Okay. Oh, yeah, because he buys Wranglers and all his all the other guys buy fancy jeans. Yeah, because they're on the take. Do you fancy think that, jeans. Do you think that that's somehow connected to that Simpsons episode where those cops... The counterfeit get, jeans? Get bought off with counterfeit blue jeans? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Makes one think. Let's just say yes. We're going to say yes. Yeah, I that, believe it. That's confirmed. We've confirmed that. Um, Myth busted. What's, <laughs> there's, there's another action scene that comes at the very end that's uh, the, the greatest thing that's ever happened in the world. Um, but My the, favorite the, piece of action's in the middle of this is movie. Is it the, the roller coaster? The roller coaster. No, that's, that's really great. But my favorite piece... Okay, so there's like... Part of the plot is um, involves like this piece of evidence because it turns out that uh the kid who's accused of killing the dirty cop had his boombox on record mm, that's right when the, oh, yeah, when the killing the went tape. down and so he's got a tape of the whole encounter and it's in the evidence room but the dirty cops are trying to keep it out of the you know keep it out of the wrong hands the air quotes wrong hands yeah. and peter weller keeps trying to get it he finally gets a hold of it but then the then the cops kidnap him they get him that's and right. they've got him like in this motel room or hotel room somewhere. And Sam Elliott comes to rescue him. And there's an awesome shot where Sam Elliott just bursts backwards through the door of the room, guns blazing, and just like shoots three of these guys all at once. Excellent squib. Peter Weller. Outstanding squib work in this scene, too, because yeah. it's just like you never know, like especially with a movie like this, they probably didn't get more than one shot to, at the squibs. And, and this yeah. is one where it's just like kudos to whoever rigged that up because it really just goes. Blah, just yeah. Painting the he walls. He just splatters these guys. It's rad. <laughs> it's really amazing. Uh, but that's a little bit towards the end. And the one in the middle is, of course, the roller coaster. The roller coaster, one. yeah. And this is where some dudes uh, possibly hired by the cops um, try to intimidate Sam Elliott while he is fishing off of the side of Coney Island. He's and so cool. He lives, off the, <laughs> he, he lives off the land in urban yeah. New York City. Yeah. He's a big fan of urban sustainability. Yeah, he's like urban <laughs> totally. sustainability. He's, he's an urban farmer. He lives, he lives in a movie theater. It's it's nuts. <laughs> um, so he's like fishing. He's walking He's walking back with his pole. Some guys try to like, you know, you know, fuck him up. He's walking around with his pole. <laughs> walking around with his pole. I mean, it's symbolism. Some guys try to kill him or fuck him up or whatever. He obviously isn't having any of that. I think this is where the, the choreographed badge takeoff circle thing that I was talking about happens. Yeah, it could be. It's around the same time. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then he ends up going like, you ain't going to kill me. And then the guy and then the, the last guy like throws his gun down and then runs. Sam, Elli Sam Elliott chases this guy. They end up on a roller coaster. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, they end up on a roller coaster. Yeah, on a roller this guy's gonna escape Sam Elliott by riding the roller coaster. It's great. <laughs> and Sam Elliott pulls the brakes out. Yeah, he falls off. The guy like kicks him off while he's falling off. This is like that part in Die Hard too. Um, he pulls <laughs> he pulls the brakes off of the the roller coaster, 
And then the guy goes like, ha ha, fuck you, cop. And you get a shot of Sam Elliott on the roller coaster and going, no, actually, asshole, it's fuck you. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful stuff. And then, of course, the guy's guys going like, ah, I love the way this was shot, too, because the, the, the roller coaster is out of control and it goes off the rails, literally, <clears throat> and crashes into a, a corn dog stand. Damn and it. Again, that, with the corn dog. That was when the first time I watched this movie where I was like, I love this movie. <laughs> I love this movie. Oh, my God. Like, it's that kind of movie. It really delivers. I, I, I it's not like some sort of masterpiece. It's very stupid in a lot of ways. But boy, is it fun. I mean, it just it is so entertaining. And now we're now we're building up towards the <laughs> you meant there's a really good line in that scene, too, where he's like he's got the first guy. He's like, I know what you're thinking. I'm young and quick and he's old and slow. Yeah. What are you going to do, asshole? And then the guy like runs away and he goes, dumb fucking question. <laughs> uh, he's great. He's great. Uh, and so now we get to this. Uh, the, the, everybody's trying to stop um, Peter Weller from, you know, finding this evidence, I'm even though in the, the end, tape. long story short, at the end, he does get this evidence. And then then the judge is like, I'm not using that fucking evidence. Are you kidding me? So like, that's kind of funny. The judge is Paul Bartell, by the way. That's just Paul fucking Bartell. Um, there's a part where um, this and this is classic Glickenhaus type shit, like power to the people type stuff where he's trying to get to the courtroom and the cops are trying to stop him. And then they've they've put a barricade up. He's got this evidence now on a tape that they tried to burn, but I guess it maybe it works still. Uh, and he's driving the cops. The cops have barricaded so he can't get to the courtroom. And a so random construction worker with a crane, like grabs him with his crane and swings him over the cop cars, and he lands on the courtroom steps. Yeah, ah, one of the guys, one of the cops in the barricade is Holt McCallany too. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, was after the, the Italian that's, that's tense, right? That's Tench, yeah. Tench, yeah. A, a young Tench. What was that? Uh, this is after uh, he was in the cab with the Italian cabbie that's like, I passed my citizen test. You have the right to be in court. I'll get you to court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cabbie's really helping. The yeah. train guy's really helping. I recognize that cabbie, too. He played a bad guy in some movie. I can't remember what. Um, but now he, but now he's on the court, and the cops are like going to blow him away. But the judge is like, hey, wait a minute. Now now that we're on the courtroom steps, the law is now, now I'm in charge of the law. And you're like, that's, I don't think that's how it works. But OK, whatever. Like it's just now you're, on, you're now hot lava is the streets, but now you're you're on safe territory because <laughs> it's technically the courtroom. OK, um, but she doesn't take his evidence anyways. <laughs> and and just despite that, Peter Weller, <laughs> think she's, the guy's still not guilty. Peter Weller still wins. Yep. So it's fine. Also, I don't even think that tape would work. It was all burnt up anyways. It was <clears> No, <throat> it, it totally works. He plays it for the. He plays it for the uh, for the judge, oh, and it literally pussy. is exactly just like three words. It's the guy going like, <laughs> guy going die n word, and then oh yeah, away. and it's like that's the whole recording. Uh, that's pretty pretty amazing. And the judge is like, I'm not going to accept that. You can't do that. And uh, but it doesn't matter. They find him not guilty regardless, probably because of how awesome Peter Weller's final closing mm -hmm. statement is, because mm -hmm. he's so good. He's such a charming, awesome uh, man. He's a man's man. He's into Hendrix. He's very cool. And yeah. uh, and then at this exact moment, what a picture. At this exact moment, like where they're celebrating their victory, someone comes in with a note for Peter Weller, and it's Sam Elliott saying, like, come on outside. <laughs> meet me in front of, meet me at my Porsche. 
He's taken he has yeah. taken a Porsche from like evidence or something like that. He's like, hey, buddy, you want to go uh, get some final vengeance on the bad guys of this movie? He's like, yeah, sure. I'm a lawyer. And they get into <laughs> and then they go chase down and kill the bad guys. Now, in an um, amazing sequence that now, has to be seen to be believed. Yes, I am underselling it, of course, because this this is the uh, the best part of the movie and the best part of possibly any movie ever. This might be the pinnacle. This might be the pinnacle of cinema. It's just so dumb. They're in a Porsche. They're driving down. Um, that the airplane is taking off. It's got Mister Nicky Carr in the airplane. And, private plane. And this yeah. is this is so diehard too. Yeah, you know, like the part mm-hmm. when the plane's about to explode and they're all like, "Ha ha, smoking cigars." Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We made it. We did it. We're definitely there. There's Peter Weller drives up with with the with the Porsche. Sam Elliott grabs on to the front landing gear. They're going so fast. This is it's absolutely insane. How is this happening? Like, how does how does does he do this? How does this happen? (laughs) Amazingly enough, too. Obviously, it's a stuntman getting under the wheel. But in a shot, you do see it's Peter Weller driving the car down below. It's pretty wild. Fucking dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) And once uh, he gets once he gets onto the landing gear, it becomes this ridiculous green screen stuff. There's never there's been zero green screen to this point. Zero. It's all pretty practical stuff. Or it's probably blue screen, but still. Yeah, Whatever. it's just really bad compositing. And he's he's onto the plane. It's flying he's on the around. landing gear. He's on the landing gear. He shoots the engine out. Then yeah. he throws a grenade into like the plane through the landing gear hole, I guess. They also all narrowly miss hitting the World Trade Center. Yeah, <laughs> this is really happens. If you haven't seen this movie, I'm not making this up. <laughs> they almost hit the World Trade Center, 1988. The plane uh, drops, like Sam Elliott drops back into Hudson Bay or whatever it is. The plane yeah. lands again because it's been shot or whatever. Apparently, this this hand grenade is the world's longest timed hand grenade. Just like it die takes hard like two. a full 45 seconds for this thing to go off. It's a Die Hard two hand grenade. I think that Rennie Harlan saw this movie. Uh, and then the plane lands and hilariously, like a second after it lands, it explodes. I mean, it's this is this sequence is about a 90 seconds long and is just absolutely the Bonkers. most the most incredible thing you've ever seen in your life. And this movie's been pretty nuts up to this point, but this is this is like 10 times crazier than anything else that's, that's happened in the movie. So they really and it's do. so funny because you don't expect them after the courthouse scene you don't expect it to keep going like you don't expect them to go chase the fucking dirty cops why uh, like but it's there and, it's, and they had fucking fun doing it so it's so stupid props to this movie it's it's magically stupid and then you're like this movie doesn't have any more stupid shit left to deliver like you can't you can't outdo i'm not saying that this outdoes that but i think it's like that another just incredible thing happens i feel it's, like there's this is a little bit of a hat on a hat here in a good way it's definitely hat on a hat <laughs> So there, so he's at a Peter Weller's now at a dinner party, uh, with like his you know rich fiance and her daddy, and then she goes like, uh, (laughs) he doesn't like her, of course, as as we've we've well established, and she goes like, all right, I want to make an announcement, ding 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 ding, everyone, I lost the baby, I'm not pregnant anymore. Yeah, oh (laughs) yeah, she goes, everybody's like, huh, oh geez, and she goes, it's okay, I really don't even want to talk about it. And then she and, and they she, don't. And she concludes her speech by going, now I'm not going to have to buy that larger wedding dress. So it's good. So we can Weird. still get married. Jesus Weird. Christ. And then Peter Weller goes like, I'm out of here, baby. 
And then the last shot we get is a, a Peter Weller like back back in the prison again, you know, continuing to be a DA, which I guess is or which I guess is what we want him. To, he's not a DA. He's a defense attorney. Defense attorney. That is a, a DA. Public, public defender. Public defender. Thank you. Uh, which I guess is what we want from him. That's like yeah. Maybe well, there was good. the whole like conversation with him and his like old girlfriend earlier, where she was like, "You're so good at this. Like, you have to like keep following your dream." And he's like, "I've had enough of this." And but I yeah. guess he hasn't. And I guess we're yeah, supposed it, to. Doesn't the movie end on the uh, condom dispensing uh, jail cell clerk guy? <laughs> I, think, I think so. Maybe it should end with him dispensing one final condom, like a, one last condom coming one out or something. Final condom. I don't know. And then we go out on the song "Looking for Love" by Nikki Ryder. Yeah, yeah. Of course, a lot of a lot of great music in this episode. I think that they should should have probably ended it with Red Hot Chili Peppers covering another Bob Dylan song. But what, what are you gonna do? You, you can't win them all. <laughs> This movie uh, can't have all the cool shit. It can't have all the, I mean, it's just most. It's fine. Um, this is Peter Weller t- talking about how much he hates his job. This is when his girlfriend is trying to, not his fiance, is trying to get him to keep being a prosecuting attorney, a defense attorney. It's day in, day out with the scumbags and the jerk offs and the sex creeps and the killers. God damn it. That's pretty great. Uh, there's, a, there's a scene with windows. The actor who plays Windows in The Thing, who's, uh-huh. been turn- who's been turning up in tons of shit I've been watching lately. He's in McBain, so he's a glicken house. He's a glicken house man. He's a glicker. And they are, in fact, having uh, dinner. Peter Weller and Windows are having dinner in the Seinfeld restaurant. Yep. Oh, That's- my gosh. You guys, I owe Nick ten dollars because he was like i bet someone's gonna bring up the seinfeld restaurant and i was like i don't know if anyone's gonna bring that up and <laughs> then we made a bet and now i owe him ten bucks <laughs> <laughs> this is this is some of uh, peter weller and um uh, and his girlfriend's banter they they get like a whole scene where they're doing like old hollywood banter but in a scummy stupid sort of way but she's this is what she says to it this is the the def- the two attorneys on opposite sides of the case in the hallway of the courtroom with tons of people walking around. She's like, I'm going to brand you this time, little horsey, so everyone knows you're mine. And then he goes, yeah. whisper yippee-i-o in my ear. I hate it. <laughs> I truly hate it. So weird. <clears throat> oh, and, and and at one point during the, um, this makes me kind of wonder of like how funny, just, just how funny this movie is trying to be, because this is a, it's a very funny line, clearly deliberately, but He's in the courtroom and he needs to go get this evidence. And he goes, excuse me, your honor. I know it sounds hideously contrived, but I have to go get some evidence right now. (laughs) I know it sounds hideously contrived. I don't know. It's pretty wild. Uh, I got a couple. Oh, great. There's a part earlier in the movie. I think it's in the in the scene where he's like shooting the guy from the top floor of the hotel or whatever. But he's like. He's got this dude, and he's like, you know what this is? Pointing a gun at him. You know what this is? And he's like, it's a gun. And he's like, yeah, you're a fucking genius. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, listen up. This gun doesn't have a serial number. If I blow out your brain and throw it in the river, the people downtown are going to call you a DSAF. Did society a favor. Oh, shit. <laughs> this movie's politics are all yeah. over the fucking place. <laughs> and I just wanted to point out also, after the big story about the dog, I feel is like the topping the topper off that speech. Because like at the end of the story, he's like, the dog fell 13 floors and I looked out the window and I threw up and I left and I never told her she was the one. And like uh, and then Peter Weller goes, happy is the fleeting hope of youth. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's so cool. (laughs) And then uh, just for fun, he's like, uh, 
Sam Elliott's like, who said that? And he goes, me. I'm going to take the streets. Wow. Okay. The, <laughs> only, the confidence is just wild. <laughs> the only Very two weird. The only two decent men in New York City. Pretty he's, amazing. He's got this like weird swagger to him. There's that. There's another part where Sam Elliott's telling him all about the blue jean cops and like, you know, how the cops control the city. He's like, you just don't fuck with these people. And Peter Weller goes, I don't want to fuck with them. I just want to dance. Yeah. Let him dance, man. He just wants he's to a, dance. He's a warrior poet. Yeah. <laughs> he's a warrior poet. Um, there's a part where one of the ba- one of the dirty cops is talking to Sam Elliott and uh, Sam Elliott is like cleaning out his uh, 45 Magnum. He's like 45 Magnum, huh? Big John Wayne fan. That's not John Wayne. Okay. That's not John Wayne. I don't know if that's it's supposed to be a joke. Uh, and this is and this is Peter Weller's. This is the I think this is the good the the attorney girlfriend and not the fiance who we don't like. But she goes, who gives a fuck if he's innocent? For Christ's sake, this man sells death to school kids. So you got some of that sort of sensibility that we already debunk. Lovely. No, we debunk in, in McBain a couple of years later. Yeah, I think it's fun that they have uh, that line from a character that I think is said sincerely. And then two years later, Glickenhaus has uh, Louise Guzman oh, having, God. making his beautiful speech. Maybe the best, maybe, the best part maybe of Maybe Glickenhaus got pilled on this in yeah. between. <laughs> it could be. He does sort of seem divided uh, in this one, and he's he's moved forward with his politics a little bit. By the time McBain has come, he's, he still seems yeah. kind of dumb. Oh, well. Uh, ratings? Uh, I think I'm going to have to give this three and a half Judds. Mm-hmm. It's pretty superbly garbagey. Uh, gets absurd at exactly the right level. You know, like, just... This, a movie like this doesn't have to... doesn't have to work very hard to get me to like it, and this one worked hard. Yes. Um... It's it's just one of those. It's kind of forgotten, but I think if you run into somebody that you know that's seen it, you're. It's like yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, everyone you'll get who's excited seen it about it knows, but if you if you don't, you know, not everybody knows about it yet. So check out Shakedown for sure. So yeah, three three and a half uh, Juds. Uh, Douglases. I'm gonna give it like one Douglas. There's a lot of boobs. It's like background boobs. Yeah. yeah, they keep there's like they're constantly going into scummy clubs and there's like naked ladies walking around. Yeah. There are some people there's a lot of in porn on 42nd Street and stuff, too. Yeah, it's implied in that in that ritzy crack house that they're watching snuff films, too. But you don't see anything, but like <laughs> Ooh, I think cool. they're actually killing those chicks. Someone says I feel like the sleaze factor is backgrounded to the sheer absurdity of the rest of the movie. So I'm only going to go as high as one Douglas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm going to give it uh, 10 out of 10 dogs out the window. Jeez, that's too many. Yeah, way too many dogs out the window. What is this dog? Uh, dog Wall Street crashing. <laughs> the Great Dog Pression. Dog Dog oh Black God. Monday. The Great uh, Dog Pression. No, it's Bark Monday. Bark Monday. Bark Monday. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it four Juds. Um, I mean, it's technically. I I don't know. It, it could be technically read as a bad movie. I mean, there's some things that are like. It, it's it's really hard to say because it's like a really one of the things that I like about it is that it's so stupid, but then it also like really delivers and then it is genuinely funny at times, too. It's all it's all over the map. It's hard to it's hard to know kind of like what's deliberate and what's not. Um, but I love it. You know, this is the second time I, I watched it the first time and didn't know anything about it. And it absolutely blew my brains out. I was just because it was so fun. <laughs> and then watching it again, like a year later, liked it almost as much. I mean, even without the surprise, 
It's a hell of a movie. I, I, everybody needs to get on board this thing. It's so fun. I think if you like this podcast, then you would like this movie. <clears throat> I'm going to give it two Douglases just for the for the background background boobs. Is it, are, are fairly persistent. There's just like lots of it. Persistent background. Persistent boobs. background boobs. They rated, won't get up. We've got some PBBs here. We've got <laughs> the PBBs. <laughs> movie is rated PBB for persistent background boobs. <laughs> And uh, and I'm gonna give it 13 floors that the dog that the dog plummets before. Jesus, and that's an unlucky number. <laughs> it is. All right. I don't know why my old my old grandma cat is like very into us recording right now. What's the cat's name? Caribou. Caribou. She's Aww. almost 14 years old. Yeah, she looks over it. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's done with this world. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give it three and a half Judds. I really liked it. There was so much cool shit in it. It was a pleasure to watch. Literally, like, just had such a good time watching, like, seeing the old, like, 42nd Street stuff. God, um, yes. The just, like, bonkers, like, motorcycle chase. Plane hang at the end is absolutely <laughs> dumb and crazy. Um, and, yeah, little the little things, like, the, the dead dog story and stuff. Like, it was so... Una- like, wh- who decided to put that in? Like, what's the story behind that? I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs> and I'm going to give it... I'm giving it half a Douglas for background boobs and just, like, sleazy, uh, fancy crack house. And I'm going to give it one New York City hot dog. Oh, grab that hot dog already. Come on. (laughs) Emily is holding her cat like that guy is holding the hot dog in the movie, too. It's just sort of like, like, take take the hot dog. Take my hot dog, please. Will you take the hot dog? Caribou's long. I always forget the caribou's long. She's pretty long, but she's also like lost a lot of weight. So she's just like, (laughs) just like a long old cat. (laughs) Next up, we have renegades. You used to always say you gotta trust somebody sometime. My dad used to tell me that when I did, I picked the wrong person. We seem to get along fine, Chief. Okay, jump. What are you, crazy? I'm not a chief, so don't call me Chief. My name is Hank Storm. Let me see the money, Chief. Sorry about that, Hank. Foster McHenry. First sign of trouble, I'll break your neck, Buster. Since when has McHenry been working undercover? He's doing something on his own. Don't need any help. Help back up. Now slowly, so I can enjoy it. Tell me you don't know what he's working on. Yeah, Renegades, 1989, Jack Shoulder. I so I watched all three movies pretty close together, and. uh after shakedown i was thinking all right well that's that's a oneer like there's no way these other two are going to be able to sort of keep up and they don't fully but i was genuinely surprised at how this especially but both of these movies were like did did manage to have a decent amount of shocking absurd violence in them <laughs> like i was unprepared sort of for like i i figured shakedown would 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 hit so high that the other ones wouldn't be able to come close but they do they both got surprisingly close there's there well i mean we'll get to it but downtown has some, some surprising some, shit. some surprising yeah. violence uh, there's some odd things in that movie 
Renegades is, is more classic. This this movie yes. thinks this movie thinks it's people. Uh, it thinks it's a real movie. Uh, it's, it, takes, <laughs> it, it takes itself seriously. It's like we're we're making a real serious R-rated action movie here. Yeah. What 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 are you what are you looking at? This is a real movie. These are serious. This is a serious movie about serious things. Yeah. Like I was I was surprised. I, I saw this movie for the first time like two years ago, around the same time I saw Shakedown the first time. And uh, and watching, I think I liked it more the second time, honestly. I watched uh, this a bunch when I was a kid, but I hadn't seen it in years. Uh, I want to point out that this movie right now is uh, completely unstreamable. So you got to, yeah. unless you're being a little like shady about finding it, you got to rent it. Yeah. Be a little Not be shady about see. finding it. I yeah, I mean, tra- track it down the the most the best you can, but also like rent a disc, buy a disc. It's kind of fun if you like the Young Guns movies. Here's here's some more of that. Also, yeah. Kiefer Sutherland's mustache is great in this. I think he looks so good. I'm not I'm not even necessarily saying like I think he looks so attractive, but I just like love his look in this. It's yeah, very yeah. like '80s dad. And his name is Buster McHenry, which is Buster. also very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Buster McHenry. We get st- we the the movie starts with some like text on the screen, and it says, "No one knows who first used the sacred lance of the Lakota Indians." And you're like, "What? Oh, there's a sacred lance in this fucking movie." This yeah. is, the, I think, one of the reasons that I didn't like this or that I liked this movie less the first time was that they keep talking up the sacred mystical nature of this Lakota lance. That's the the, the red herring of the whole movie. And yeah. uh, and nothing mystical happens with it at the end. Something does happen, but nothing like ma- I was expecting there to be like inexplicable magic at the end of this movie. Like I really thought that was going to happen, and it didn't. And I think it disappointed me. So I was like, re- so I knew that knew going in this time, I was able to take the movie on on its own terms. And there's there's no actual mystical stuff that happens. No, but they do kill someone with the sacred Lakota lance. Spoiler. Yes. Uh, but the sacred Lakota lance is uh, belongs to Lou Diamond Phillips's family. Mm-hmm. His, his name is Hank. Yep. His name is Hank, and he is uh, a total. He's the Lakota. He's the Lakota, and he's a, a total badass. The yeah, most, Hank the Storm. most badass. Hank Storm. That's right. That's one yep. of the best names. Yep. Hank fucking. And his Storm. dad is his dad is Floyd Red Crow Westerman. Yeah, and he's just for some reason he is the the world's biggest badass the, the best at fighting um yep. <laughs> the best the best at everything uh Kiefer sutherland is kind of a burned out he's he's sort of undercover he's almost yeah. kind of got a um depotted sort of thing going on where it's just like him oh, yeah. and his cat just he's like undercover but like it's not really sanctioned and only yeah. him and his captain know about it like this seems <clears> like a shitty Bill operation. Smitrovich, his captain bill smitrovich the captain the dad from life goes on Chicago stalwart Bill Smitrovich. Absolutely. It, this is but this takes place in Philly. It's it's mostly shot in Vancouver. Okay. But there there's parts that are definitely shot in Philly, but uh but but most of it take or is shot in Vancouver. I got very used to the Philly skyline from watching yeah. this in the next movie. I was like, all right, so once, that's what the Philly skyline looks to, like. Once we get to the next movie downtown, that one is shot in Philly. All shot sure. in Philly. That's great. Yeah. But but so mostly Vancouver. All right, fair enough. Yeah, uh, but like there's place... there's there's definitely chunks of this that are shot in Philadelphia, but not the whole thing. We're introduced to Kiefer Sutherland's character. He's in a diner, and and I think one of the weird things about this movie is that because they obviously were, were it's buddy cop movies, uh, they get they get paired up, and yep. they're they're both the straight men. 
I, th- yeah. I think that they I think that they sort of air to maybe Kiefer Sutherland being slightly less like he's kind of funny like a couple times, but he's burned out and sad. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then Lou Diamond Phillips is is also sad and like not he's like it's part of his character that he's not funny. Like he doesn't have a sense of humor. That's that sort of deal. He's like the stoic Native American stereotype, I think, t- sort yeah. of thing that they're going for. Um, but it's not like Kiefer Sutherland's like a crazy life wire. He's also pretty, gr- pretty grouchy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a weird dynamic, but yeah, he's introduced in this in this uh, cafe, and a prostitute tries to come in, and the the or it's a bar, whatever. And the bartender's like, "No prostitutes in here." And Kiefer's like, "No, it's okay. She's with me. I'm a nice guy." So we're introduced to him being a nice guy, and then he thwarts like uh, a random uh, stand a, a random standoff that's happening just outside the bar. He like mm-hmm. sees it coming. He already knows that it's gonna be a fuck up. He's like, "Check it out. They're not. They're gonna mess up or whatever." Yeah, he he does it. He pulls an Eddie Murphy move. You remember this? <laughs> yep. Where he, like there's like a guy. There's he like pretends to be drunk. He pretends to be drunk and is like, oh, hey, yeah. how you doing? And then he like takes the gun. And then I really and- like the part before that where he's in the cafe and the uh, and the the prostitute walks in and he the guy the guy behind the counter is like, sorry sister, paying customers only. Yeah. And uh, Keeper Sutherland is like, she's with me. You know, I'll buy you a drink. It's pretty good. Yeah. I like him. It, it, I liked him immediately in this movie because I, I picture mm-hmm. Keeper Sutherland being worn out like this. You There's know, it's a, just how it I probably like is. He has a line here where, that really sums up his character. It's good. It's good economic writing where the lady goes, uh, "Hey, you want a party?" And he goes, "No." Yeah. <laughs> and, and that pretty <laughs> much sums up drink. his character. Keeper Sutherland in this movie, he does not want a party. He's in no mood <laughs> for partying. And he's undercover with a thief club. Yes, it's a it's a and thief, the thief club. club is Robert Nepper, who you may remember from a show called Prison Break. He's been in a ton of shit, but that mm-hmm. was like a big breakout role for him. And um, Clark Johnson is his henchman. Oh. Remember him from Homicide? Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people in this look familiar, but I don't also like, became I couldn't a director. say why. He oh. became a director of one of one of your movie favorite movies, Travis, the Keeper Sutherland, Michael Douglas thriller. I believe it's Keeper, but no, it's Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas thriller, uh, The Sentinel. The Sentinel. Remember that? I remember we saw, in that one? We, we saw that in the movie theater together. <laughs> <laughs> me, me and Matt have not gone to a whole lot of movies together, but I'll tell you this. We did see the fucking Sentinel. <laughs> yep. the Sentinel? It's like this shitty political thriller movie, like action movie from the from the early, mid 2000s. Oh, uh, I thought you guys were talking about. There's a 77 uh, no, horror movie. That's called the Michael Winter film. That's a great movie, too. Yeah, that's now, this the one is I just a piece about. of shit, and I think it's Michael <laughs> Douglas, and I'm pretty sure Keeper Sutherland, and it's directed by this guy Clark Johnson. And I think the only reason we went to see it was because it was like tangentially 24-ish. Somebody had, I remember specifically, yes, we were into 24 at the time, but also someone had told you that it was ridiculous. <laughs> you, you said that like someone told me it's ridiculous. I was like, well, let's go see it. Also, Topher Grace is in it. Uh, this is also uh, at a time where we were getting 40 cent tickets to see movies because of Scarecrow <laughs> Video. So we would just go fucking see anything. That's right. Didn't matter. Uh, uh, before we get to the uh, to the undercover thing, I just wanted to like my probably my favorite part in this whole movie is when Kiefer has just thwarted this like standoff. And then like a an, like a ranking officer comes up to him and he's like, you're a loose cannon or whatever. Or no, this is, this is 
This is before um, this guy knows that he's a cop, I believe. And he's like, you stay out of our business or whatever. And he goes, you got a license for that? For like referring to his gun. And he goes, yeah, right here. And he holds up his hand and then slaps the cop. <laughs> and then just open, open hand slaps him across the face. It's <laughs> pretty cool. I loved that. What did the five fingers say to the face? Slap. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, it's like one of the few... Th- funny I mean, he's not a funny character i can't stress enough um but i guess he's slightly funnier than lou diamond phillips so there's so there's your dynamic um but yes now he's now he's got to go uh be undercover while uh while this uh jewel heist happens and uh his his superior offers officers the only other person that knows that this that, that what's going on and he turns out we, we find out a little bit later on that the superior officers in on it oh yeah. shit uh, which is a plot point that is repeated in the next movie that we that we do. Um, yeah. But this this robbery, of course, goes real bad, real fast. They start killing innocent people and shit like that. And Kiefer's like, oh, no, this wasn't part of the deal or whatever. And then they're running around and, and we get a lot of like chaotic action here. Uh, yeah, this chase scene is absolutely chaotic. It's pretty like, nuts. Yeah. Did you go down like dirty garbage alleys and like all these like merchants are getting their tables flipped and shit. People, people are probably getting injured. If this was if this was a real chase, there would be several dead. If it was a real chase, (laughs) there'd be like quite a few dead people. And and it seems like there probably were several injured people just in in making in the making of it. Like they do that thing where the cop gets or where the car gets on the sidewalk and like barrels through and people just jump out of the way just in time. And it goes on and on. Like they're not they they go down like a whole city block this way going top speed and you see I saw a couple people because I rewound it and was like this like slow motion going through trying to find couple, someone dying there's a couple people and you're like that that person straight up got hit by that car yeah. like I don't know I hope he's okay or whatever but that that dude, dude that does yeah. not look planned this chase scene lasts for like like eight minutes it, it goes on to. and on yeah the movie really it's about, it's about seven but it was longer yeah. he cut it down by about two minutes oh I love that. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a real so, action movie. If you remember the hidden, there's a really big car chase in the hidden too. Mm-hmm. And so the story is that Shoulder was like, "Well, I want to do a bigger one." Wow. <laughs> so that's why they came up with like stuff that it doesn't seem that novel now, but at the time would have been pretty novel, like the car going through the office building. Oh yeah. Or like launching up the ramp at the back of the truck and going through the truck. Yeah, bedlam. Those are it's pretty cool. bedlam. I think it's cool. Tons and tons of like smashing and explosions and stunts and all this. There's a really amazing shot where they're just sort of running down the street before it becomes a car chase. It's a foot. It's a foot chase before they get into a car and a car is like coming out is like like moving out and Kiefer Sutherland has to like jump over it. And it's like, was that planned? Yeah, it look, doesn't look like it was <laughs> planned. Awesome. It's wild. If it was, Kiefer Sutherland does an amazing stunt. Uh. And, and there's a there's a couple parts where Lou Diamond Phillips also does pretty amazing stunts. Like they get they're doing a lot of their own work. It's pretty it's kind of cool. It's there's like, some pedigree in this movie too. Like decent uh, movie. You know, Jack, we already talked about Jack Shoulder, but Michael Kamen did the score, the King of the Buddy Cop movie scores. Yes. Or what else do you do? You know, Lethal Weapon. And oh. it's got it's got that it's got and, that same tone. You know, Die Hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also it was shot by a guy named Phil Mayhew, which not a lot of people know his name off the top of their head, but he was Martin Campbell's DP for a really long time. So he shot like Casino Royale, like Goldeneye, uh, stuff like that. Wow. 
Yeah, it's weird that this movie's so hard to find and buried and forgotten. It's not like a masterpiece, but it's very solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Let's and the, the action, the action's pretty good. That's <laughs> very so, watching it the second time, just kind of like, damn. Yeah, Did I you usually look at the poster. Uh, poster's I don't, I don't rad. So the poster's rad. The, the poster mean... has like the two of them, you know, with guns in their hands in front of the city, but it says the boys are back in town, which yes. is fine, whatever. Then <laughs> no, I love underneath, it. <laughs> underneath the title, though, it says this time they've brought their guns to the city, which that's all a reference <laughs> to Young Guns. Oh, you're right. It's exactly what it is. That is so fucking weird. They sold this movie on Kiefer and Lou Diamond Phillips from Young Guns. I guess that's yeah. There that is weird. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> the what I'm looking at one that's like a cop on the warpath, an Indian and in gangland locked in a quest for revenge. Oh yeah, that one's a pretty cool one. That whole poster, both of those lines in that poster, are you require you to know that the, those two are both in Young Guns. Yep. <laughs> to know about the deal with Young Guns, that's nuts, man. I yeah, Young Guns was a hit. Whatever. Yeah. And I guess maybe they had, maybe those two had really good uh, chemistry in Young Guns. I don't know. Uh, wild. Uh, well, it, they do have, the time has to come where they come together, of course. And that <laughs> is at a random moment during this chaotic escape. Um, they, the, the, cr the criminal crew with Kiefer Sutherland being undercover happens upon this like area where the Lakota spear is displayed. It's like an auction house. It's like an auction house or something like that. And Lou Diamond Phillips and his family are all there. And then this the the main super evil leader of the robbery crew, just like something about the spear speaks to him and he's got to he's got to steal it. It's completely random. He's just like, wow, magic. look at that spear. Everybody's like, let's go. Let's go. He's like, no, I got to steal this Lakota spear. OK. And he does. And so now Lou Diamond Phillips running into this. They kill his dad. No, they kill his up. brother. No, they kill his brother kill his in this game. That's right. They, they kill his <laughs> but brother. But then they do kill his dad, though. Spoiler. Yeah. And so Lou Diamond Phillips is involved in this. Um, at a certain point, um, the bad guys kind of realize that they either either they're just they were going to drop Kiefer in the first place or they realize that he's maybe not fully on their side or something. They take him to a, uh, you know, a remote location and shoot him. Yeah, like they, through the through the back of a cop car. Yeah, they shoot him through the back of the seat. Yeah, which sucks. Yeah. Which sucks. It sucks. It sucks for Keithler and uh, and Lou Diamond Phillips comes along, um, and he you know he he doesn't believe for for a little while there he doesn't believe that Kiefer is a cop. He just thinks he's another one of these hoodlums, and so he mm -hmm. basically like essentially kidnaps him and he like takes him to a hotel room, uses mystical medicine to uh to yeah. you know cure him of his bullet wound. He brings where, in his dad to help. He brings in his dad to help. And uh, his dad is, I, I believe, a medicine man, right? Mm -hmm. I think he says his dad's a medicine man. And uh, and yeah, so he, for a, a, a good period of time in this movie, Kiefer's kind of like walking around with like a gunshot wound and stuff. And I Lou like the part where, uh, where he wakes up in the morning and he goes, was that an old Indian praying for me last night? And, and Lou Diamond Phillips is like, yep. And he goes, <laughs> you don't believe in that shit, do you? And he goes, I, I am that. I am that shit. That's a good line. <laughs> I am that shit. Uh, I, I think that a lot of his character is just supposed to be like, because like, uh, and I, I also do want to point out, and I'm and I'm sorry to to use this term, but everybody in this movie, a hundred percent of the time, 
uses the term Indian to refer yeah. to Lou Diamond Phillips. Nobody, I, I don't, has had the term Native American not even been invented at this point? Literally, I couldn't tell you that, but yeah. uh, certainly everybody behaves like it had. Everybody does it. Um, he, he there's a lot, like a lot of racist stuff. Kiefer co- constantly calls him chief. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Amazingly yeah. enough, <laughs> I think uh, remarkably, um, in in a kind of like a, a way that speaks tr- to the true story of of American attitudes. Like they obviously become friends. It's a buddy cop type of thing, and by the end. And and Lou Diamond Phillips has said, "Don't call me chief. I'm not a like in, in another kind of cool line where he's like, I'm not a chief. Uh, don't call me that. You know, a it's insulting. I'm also it's also really a thing and that I am not one of. And so he is. He, call me Hank, please. Don't call me chief. That's bad. And Kiefer was, Kiefer's like, all right, fine, whatever. But he never stops calling him chief. Yeah. And at, at the end, when they're friends, Kiefer like comes up to him and is like, Ah, we sure we sure did it, huh? All right, I see you later, chief. <laughs> yeah like, god damn it dude. i also found their friendship like not i feel like i was waiting the whole movie for them to become buddies but they were mostly not buddies in my in my viewing yeah i don't think they're like the the bromance really came together in this Mm-mm. movie no but chief yeah that and like you know that's that's offensive here for for obvious reasons but also like literally no one likes to be called chief <laughs> like, <laughs> all that all that stuff hey that was boss standing. Yeah, yeah, like if you're just like at the bar and you ask the bartender for a drink and you're like, hey, chief, can I get a Rainier? Like, don't bartender, do that. Bartender would immediately be like, fuck this guy. I immediately <laughs> don't like this chief. guy. It's like calling someone guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. Hey, hey what's up, guy? Like, well, I don't like you now. Like, good yeah. job. You, you really started this out on the right foot. Or like boss or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty I call wild. I people boss sometimes, but only people I know real well. <laughs> no one calls me boss. Potna. Do you want us to call you boss? Yeah, can you guys start calling me boss? Sure thing, All boss. Right, we'll, be... we'll start calling you boss, chief. Thanks. <laughs> All right, no, guy. We'll call you no boss, chief. No problem. <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Love it. So, of course, they're they're teamed up. Uh, they don't like each other at first. Um, Lou Diamond Phillips says to him, you can't die yet. I need you alive. And that's it. He needs him alive so he can get the spear. He doesn't give a shit about his life. But then they gradually, you know, through their trials and tribulations, would you know it? They kind of come together and they even get into a couple of fight scenes where they're like chemistry and, and, and respective talents play off of each other. And then afterwards they look at each other and go like, Hey, that, that kind of worked out. <laughs> we make a pretty good team at a certain point, And this is the most devastating part of the movie. They, they find Jamie Gertz. What the, is Jamie Gertz even doing in this movie? The Jamie Gertz. She's like one of the thieves, uh, girlfriends or something like yeah, that. She's like a gangster's mall. She's a gangster's mall. I don't. We don't know how and how much she knows about like what she's involved in or anything like that. She's also a hairdresser. So Kiefer after, like shows up after this was over. I was a little confused as like what her part was in the movie. So I went and looked on Wikipedia to read the the synopsis. She's not even mentioned in it. <laughs> no, she's not. She doesn't do shit in it. She they could. I know, but I mean. It's a kind of an important part late in the movie, but like what? Yeah, I was like, what is she even doing here? Dude, They go. They mess up this girl's fucking hair salon. They won't leave. They won't take their business like to the street or whatever. Like, oh, it was infuriating. They bust into her hair salon. They're like, we need to talk to this guy. We know lives upstairs or whatever. She's like, you want to talk to my mom? Because she's upstairs. And then harass her. Yeah, they harass her her in front of her customers, like literally physically, like push her around. I hated it. And yeah. then at the end, she gets zapped. 
Mm-hmm. She like, gets what? killed. I had to go back and watch. Like I, I could have sworn. Yeah, and I looked away the... for a second. I'm like, did they just kill Jamie Gertz? This is the <laughs> second time watching this movie too, and I was still kind of like, wait, she's dead. Yeah, there's a. It's yeah, it's very strange. She's just sort of unexpectedly like, bleak. She's in the movie, and then she, and she's like, I, it's like the same progresses that that Kiefer and and Lou Diamond Phillips have, where they're like, we don't like each other, and then we kind of do like each other, and so she's like, I don't want to be with you guys, and then eventually she's like, Yeah, I'm with you guys. It's fine. And you're yeah. like, all right, now they're a trio. That's fun. And then she just dies. Yeah. And when she was introduced, I was I was even like, oh, I wonder like which one of the guys like she's they're going to pair up with her, you know, like which are going to have like a little argument over who like has a bigger crush on her or whatever. I was I was thinking ahead. And that was my yeah, mistake. No, I, I was thinking way too ahead. It's kind of there's there's one actually really cool shot when she when she does get shot and they're they're out outside in probably Vancouver, I guess. And she lets one I mean, last Toronto now that I think about it or possibly Toronto, Toronto anyway. well, Canada at any rate. So it's yeah. cold and she lets one la- like a uh, breath of air and you can you know, it's cold so you can see the breath and then she collapses. And she's like, that was pretty cool. And then amazingly, <laughs> uh, Kiefer, she's supposed to be dead here. She drops dead. She's been blown away. She's lying on the ground. Kiefer starts like shooting at the people that shot her. And Jamie Gertz could not um could not help like wincing. Oh, she's like startled like, startled yes. by the gunshot. Oh, I recorded I, I recorded it. I'll I'll put it up there, but you you'll you see Kiefer Sutherland shooting his gun and she's going, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Her final death spasms. <laughs> she, yes. I don't think that's what's happening. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, do you do you guys know what Jamie Gertz is up to now? No. Do you use car salesman? No, she's no, doing what is it. I would like to say Jamie Gertz is doing very well. If you're worried about Jamie Gertz, she is part owner of the Atlanta Hawks of, oh, the, nice. Nas- of the National Basketball Association because her husband is Tony Ressler, a billionaire hedge fund manager and, oh, shit. Uh, and also co-owner of the Atlanta she Hawks. She has a a lot of billions of dollars. Uh-huh. So she's Good fine. For her. Don't Good worry. Good for her. Good for her. Good for her. If you guys are worried about Jamie Gertz, don't worry. She's part of the 1%. <laughs> <laughs> she's probably evil. Uh, but yes, and, and she dies, and it's very strange. It was like, they, they you, can we get Jamie Gertz in this movie? And they're like, you can get Jamie Gertz for two days. Well, <laughs> Keeper Sutherland is like, I've just got her on speed dial. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. I don't know. Very strange. We're in the Lost Boys. Uh, but this is this is around the time that we find out that the uh, the guy from life, the dad from life goes on, whatever his name is, the, the police Bill chief. Bill He's in on it. He's uh, he's in on the, the thing. But he's he's one of those bad cop characters who's also like racked with guilt about what he's doing. I always love that. We're like, he also gets ah. the, he gets the scene that every dirty cop superior officer gets in, in these movies where he finally gets back with his with his guy who's undercover and he's like, so what'd you find out? Where are we going? What's going to happen when we get there? <laughs> and then he betrays him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But he feels bad about it, by God. Because yeah. the, the main bad guy is this ice cold psychopath type of dude. Yeah, that's you know, that's Bob Nepper. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of like him. He's a pretty good bad guy. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about earlier when uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Sutherland was still trying to like kind of shake Lou Diamond Phillips off like didn't want to hang out with him and Lou Diamond Phillips is like well we got to find I think you know where this whatever Lance is the, the, Lakota, <laughs> the Lakota Lance no disrespect but and Lou Diamond Phillips like hides under the hood of his car as he like that's a great drives bit. off it's it's so funny <laughs> yeah they, yeah they Keeper, open the Keeper, hood like, yeah 
pretends he can't start the car unless unless Lou Diamond Phillips like holds down this valve with his finger and then Keeper Sutherland just guns it and like drives backwards down the street, but the hood of the car is still propped up. Yeah. And he gets like a couple blocks away and then he's gonna he gets out to shut the hood and Lou Diamond Phillips is just sitting on the bumper. He took a ride with him. Very cool. He he is a incredibly awesome guy like he's basically like a ninja practically yeah and I, and I think that, that there's never really explained why or anything I, you're just supposed to go like well you know because the Lakotan he's like Lakotan and they're like ninjas I guess <laughs> it's because right. he's got cool Native American powers or something like yeah, that. yeah he's got superpowers it, which which is weird and stupid but also I don't, I'll allow it I don't care I like I like Luda. It's that, it's that kind of exoticism like it's exotic, mystical yes. racism that you kind of, you encounter in these periods it is, and it's and, and in, in, in this case, it's generous because it's like you know those you know those Lakotans are they're awesome, right? right. They're so fucking awesome. <laughs> like I don't know, it's just the the idea that there's there's somehow a different kind of thing is yeah. is pretty weird. Uh, but at the same time, that that does allow him to be a fucking awesome character, and and he does all kinds of cool shit. Like, at one I, point, he pushes Kiefer Sutherland off the roof. Remember that. Yes. He's like, you got to jump. And he's like, I don't want to jump. Then he literally just pushes him straight <laughs> off the roof. He could have broken both his legs. It's a good. He could have had to heal him again. Yes. It's a good 25 feet up or something like that. It's pretty far. And at one point when <laughs> when she when Kiefer's trying to shake him, he pushes Lou Diamond Phillips into a subway and then him and Jamie Gertz go off on their own. And Lou Diamond Phillips like gets out of the out of the subway car as it's moving, gets on top, jumps to another subway car and then comes back. <laughs> that's a really good so that's a really good uh action scene it's really train. cool yeah and he's doing a lot of his own stunts and you're like you're just sort of like cool yeah he's he's a total badass you gotta give him that and his name's <laughs> hank not chief but you know there's there's not much plot here they're just you know after no the, they go they go to like they, they go to go the bad guys like it. compound and kill a bunch of his bad guys and then you know uh keep for something has to fight clark donson the and compound then, was cool. It was all like, like a log cabin, very like yeah. Twin Peaksy. Yeah, there's a big shootout. Keeper Sutherland kills the bad guy by throwing the lance through his chest. Very cool. He he. Keeper Sutherland also has to have a have to have a final showdown with uh, Bill Smitrovich, mm-hmm. where he's like, "Why did you have to do it?" And he's like, "Because." And then like he ends up shooting him or something. But I feel bad about it. No, the, and- the bad guy kills him. Oh, the bad the bad guy kills him, but he that, that, it's after they're having like a standoff yeah, with each yeah. other. And Bill Smitrovich also knew Kiefer was like friends with Kiefer's dad, and Kiefer's yeah. dad went to jail and didn't narc on Smitrovich and all this stuff. Uh, you, you got daddy issues in there. They all do. Lou well, Diamond Phillips dad died, got murdered. No mystical so his, stuff. His brother oh. and his dad got murdered. That fucking sucks. It's, it's Everybody terrible. ends up dead at the end of this movie, except for Lou Diamond Phillips and Kiefer Sutherland. That's why Lou Diamond Phillips doesn't have a sense of humor in this movie. I mean, it's just his his family members are constantly being killed throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he threw he he does Lou Diamond Phillips throw the spear at the main bad no, guy? No, it's Kiefer. Uh, the bad guys the bad guys about to kill Lou Diamond Phillips and Kiefer sh- throws the lance at him. And the lance is on fire. The back part of the lance yeah. is on fire. They the movie thinks this is very cool. They really linger on this guy with this <laughs> lance sticking out of him, and, and the end of it being on fire like a lot. They're like, that's cool. Just keep shooting that. Uh, and so they win. The Renegades win. The boys are back in town, and they won. <laughs> and then, uh, and then you, you get a shot of LDP giving a tour of you know the Lakotan territory. And then Kiefer Sutherland shows up and is just like, "Hey, buddy, I just wanted to say hi. We're buddies." 
maybe we'll go <laughs> hang out sometime. And Lieutenant Phillips is like, yeah, maybe we will. And Everyone's like, just ah. hanging out. <laughs> Everyone like, ah. on the tour is just like waiting on their horses behind them. Just like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's go. We paid money for this tour. Kiefer should be like, he should get out of the car and go, hey, Lou, like, uh, the movie should have ended right back there, but the, some producer thought that, that we needed to have one last thing to point out that we are indeed friends at the end of this or something like that. It's it's just <laughs> totally it's totally needless. But then they do <laughs> then they do play Only the Strong Survive by Brian Adams. Hello. Yes. A totally kick ass song. That uh, we all remember. And you know, and if you know if it's nineteen eighty nine and it's a Lou Diamond Phillips Kiefer Sutherland song, you gotta have Brian Adams on the soundtrack. <laughs> It's fucking necessary. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, there's there's one part where Kiefer is talking to an old lady, and he's like, "Hey, lady, did you see an Indian?" Because uh, again, only they're Over only referred to as Indians. Did you see an Indian? She's uh, yeah, I saw an Indian. I saw a whole tribe with war paint coming this way. <laughs> and they're like, "Ah, you bitch." Uh, <laughs> yeah, they say that. Like the very idea of uh, there being an Indian, can you can you even imagine? Uh, so at Try one point, not to. <laughs> at one point, Kiefer is talking, I think, to his boss, and he goes, "Don't I look relaxed?" And, the, and this boss goes, "You look like the inside of a chicken coop." Uh, Pretty okay. weird. That's a weird shit. Line. <laughs> Just like a bunch of shit. I I guess it, apparently that does not is the opposite Others. of relaxed. Uh, I am that shit. That's my favorite line in the whole thing. And this is a running recurring gag that they have where Kiefer is there in the city and this is Kiefer's town. And he's like, we got to go this way. And Lou Diamond Phillips is like, no, we got to go this way. And, and then Kiefer goes, trust me, I am the Indian around here. Me meaning that this is, this is his native territory and he knows. And then right, at a yeah. certain point, Lou Diamond Phillips gets to say the same line later on. Uh, Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. I'll fillet your goddamn. There's a part where he's very Jack Bowery, where Kiefer gets to be very Jack Bowery, and he's threatening a guy. He says, "I'll fillet your goddamn ass." Where? Very. Who are you his... working for? Who are you working for? He's using his Jack Bauer voice. It's great. Uh, ratings. Uh, I'm gonna give this three Juds. Mm -hmm. Thought it was pretty sturdy when the action was kicking in. I was into it. I didn't think that the two of them had the greatest amount of chemistry here. But nope. that's not really where the movie's going. Um, the the story just wasn't that interesting. It's pretty um, simple, pretty bare bones. Yeah, it's pretty simple. But, you know, I thought it was an enjoyable movie. It's good. Three Juds. Uh, no Douglases, right? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's zero, yeah. Yeah, zero Douglases. Uh, and I'm going to give it a uh, hundred uses of the uh, word chief. <laughs> a thousand uses of the word Indian. I mean, yeah. over and over and over again. I'm going to give it three. I think it's just a quintessential three Judd kind of movie. There's like a lot of stuff that doesn't work, but then there's also for a movie that's come almost entirely forgotten. Uh, there's action stuff that'll happen where you're like, Jesus, yeah, like holy shit, that's like this is like legit. Like it's pretty, it's pretty violent. I was kind of more surprised the second time. Like, God damn. Like just that part where they where they're at Jamie Gertz's salon and he's like, he sees these dudes walk up with uh machine guns and stuff. He's like, we gotta get out of here. And then they just shoot the fucking shit out of it. You're like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> they really fuck up her salon. I'm God I'm mad damn. about that still. It's nuts. <laughs> uh zero Douglases. And um I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 flaming lances. Oh, right. 
I'm going to give it three Judds. Like you guys said, it's a solid three Judd movie. Mm. Lots of cool shit. Uh, lots of like cool, just like little fight stuff between the two. They don't really have any chemistry and they're not really buddies per se, but I did like uh, them kind of just like pushing each other around. It's kind of fun. Yep. Uh, I'm giving it zero Douglases and I'm going to give it three billion dollars, which is Jamie Gertz's net worth. <laughs> <laughs> did you look that up yeah i just did yeah. <laughs> jamie gertz doing fine she's perfectly she's fine. fine everybody she would Go not she would not Go piss if you were on fire she would not piss on you uh, okay <laughs> she's one of the bad ones she would have one of her servants do it because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> she's still nice <laughs> uh, no she, i don't think but, she, on, I don't, but only on their day off i don't think you can yeah. have three billion dollars and be nice i don't believe it's possible <laughs> So fuck you, Jamie Gertz. Stay tuned to our new podcast, The Nice Billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to I just wanted to conclude this segment by saying fuck you, Jamie Gertz. The Nice Billionaires. It comes on uh after MILF Island. <laughs> MILF Island followed by the nice <laughs> or MILF Manor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh well let's some let's get to the movie that is somehow the weirdest of these three. Uh, let's yeah. go downtown. <laughs> Pretty incredible. Ooh. Uh downtown, 1990. <laughs> Sergeant Dennis Curran is a downtown cop who survives on instinct. You better keep talking, boy. I'm going to switch on you myself. He fights dirty, and he works alone. What the hell you want me for? But he's about to get the one thing he doesn't need. I want to be a cop, Dennis. A partner. Back off. Hey, Curran, Curran, I'm going with you. I think it's kind of risky to jeopardize another officer like that, especially when it's me. Now, Curran's greatest threat isn't waiting in the streets. It's sitting on the seat beside him. Gotta be honest, I haven't spent much time in places like this. You stay in the car country, Dave. If you can question the suspect, you should read him his rights first. Uh, directed by... Woody, Woody Allen's best friend, Richard Benjamin. <laughs> is that true? I don't know if they're best friends, but he's one of Woody Allen's, like, coach, uh, is one of his posse or whatever. <laughs> he's in a lot of Woody his, Allen movies. His Put pussy posse? He's part of Woody Allen's. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't even, I don't think we should go into that. Um, I don't the, need, we don't need to follow that Richard one Benjamin directed Mermaids, which I really love. Yeah, yeah which yeah. came out the same year. Oh, and then The Money Pit, which is fine, I guess. It's got its moments. And that's all yeah. I know. And that's actor, all I know. Bye. Actor, actor, director, Richard Benjamin. And 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 if you ever wanted to see what uh, Richard Benjamin's version of Lethal Weapon is, my friend, you go. my friend, you can. <laughs> Here it, it is. It's is called Downtown. It's from Produced by Gail Ann Hurd, too. That's right. That's so weird. This movie Richard. starts. There's even a line in the movie where somebody is like, the Terminator wouldn't come down here. This movie starts like. Uh, I thought that we had made a mistake when we picked this because I was like, this is like a farce. This is a straight right. up. This is a straight up practically police academy level like comedy. Uh, and then it ends with some of the more grisly acts of violence. That you like. mm -hmm. <laughs> a truly disgusting uh, uh, climactic action or a violent thing that we'll that we'll talk about. Um, so I, I don't know what the fuck is going on in this movie or what it's trying to do. It's 
I, I really just think that this is what Richard Benjamin thought Lethal Weapon was. Yeah, I think it's just like, like I see no difference. What are you, buddy cop movie ripoff. What do you talk about? It's this is Lethal Weapon. It's funny. It's serious at times. It's heartfelt. It's violent. I mean, what? It's Lethal Weapon. I did it. I did it 100 percent. Yeah, I'm Richard Benjamin. I did a good job. Uh, and it's um, it's Goose. Yeah, Anthony Edwards. And he plays like a beat cop. And it's like super troopers during this first like 10 minutes or something like that. It really <laughs> yeah, is. He's a, he's he's a, a bored up. small. Yeah, he's a fuck up, but he's also a he's in a boring small town. There's nothing going on. He goes up to he pulls over Penelope. Ann well, he's Miller. in the suburbs. Yes, yeah. I guess. The, of by Philly. Vibe. Of Philly, yeah. Uh, two Philly movies. Uh, he pulls over uh, Penelope Ann Miller and he's like, your license and registration. And she's like, I don't want to, I'm sick of you guys harassing me. And he's like, ma'am, license, license and registration. And she's like, is there uh, something that I could do to maybe get out of it? And then he starts making out with her and you're like, what? And then it's like, oh, it's his girlfriend. Ha ha ha. Yay. Yet uh, another in a long series of 90s, 80s and 90s, uh, low, like B grade, genre films in which I am forced to ask the question, Penelope Ann Miller, why? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of have a, a soft spot for Penelope Ann Miller. She's she's not Meryl this, Streep or anything. Th- no, but it's like she's always this character, like always. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. She's, she's the girlfriend in so much shit. She's That's kind so- of funny because the, I'm like looking her up right now because I don't. I'm not really familiar. And like the first sentence on her IMDb is she's an acclaimed and diverse actor who has stood the test of time. Well, Penelope Ann Miller clearly has her own IMDb account. She's the the co-owner of the Los Angeles Clippers as well. Another billionaire. (laughs) That that is not true. No, no, that's she's a thousandaire for sure. (laughs) Definitely a thousandaire. I wish I was a thousandaire. I'm sure Penelope Ann Miller is fine. She's fine. fine. Yep. No disrespect, she's, Penelope Ann Miller. Although she's I'm sure worth she's, six million. I'm sure she's got a Google yeah. alert on her name and is going to hear this podcast. Oh, we're, Aww, we're sorry. Hey. It's all in, it's all in good. We loved you in Carlito's way, and it's the true. shadow. It's true. Of course, the shadow. So this is early Pam, <clears throat> and uh, and she it's like a semi thankless role where after this like fun introduction, she's just slides back into like I don't want you to be a cop, and like sort of shit. Um, <laughs> she does wear she, some terrible dresses in it too. Yeah, well, it's 1990. I mean, not not the best year. Um, they do play a cool Modi song. I go to work, <laughs> which is a pretty yep. great song. We actually have the single, the LP single for Cool Modi. I go to work up on the wall at my job, so that Very was cool. uh, that was fun to hear. Um, but he, but okay, so everything's going perfectly fine for Goose. He is uh. Uh, he's maybe a little bored in his job, but he seems happy enough. But at a certain point, he makes the mistake of busting a guy named Jerome Sweet, who is the trying to or trying to bust Jerome Sweet, who is a uh, one of my I love him. He's a great bad guy. David Clennon, David Clennon. And he's really fun. He's like, I don't know. I feel I feel like it's kind of accurate. He's he is fully evil and shit. But at the same time, he's friendly. (laughs) He's also in the thing. I don't know. (laughs) That's right. Yes. Uh, do you remember his character's name? Palmer. Palmer. He's Palmer in the thing. Yes, but he's great in this. Where like people like he'll he'll he's a totally a dick, but he'll be like friendly about it. Like even at even at the end when he's he's in full villain mode, he's like, "Hey, how's it going?" Yeah. Going? yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no need to be like rude about my evil. Like whatever. <laughs> um, 
but I enjoy him. He gets he fucks up on this stop and then gets bounced downtown. Yeah, because he because he can't can't fuck with Jerome Sweet. Uh, And and then it turns out there's even more reason for this because like a lot of the cops in this department, the 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 frou frou rich neighborhood department are in in on a crime with Jerome Sweet himself. So it's very similar to what's happening in Renegades. Uh, but you, you can't fuck with Jerome Sweet, so I'm busting you to downtown, the bad part of Philly. And mm-hmm. the and he shows up, and you immediately get these classic, like, 80s, early 90s. I mean, we've covered movies like this before. This reminded me of The Principal a lot. Mm-hmm. You're like, uh-oh, we're in the urban, we're in the urban part of the city. Yep. You know what we mean? Hey, <laughs> And he gets to, he like the second he gets and this is where I was just sort of like, what the fuck kind of movie is this? The second he gets to this downtown precinct, uh, it's completely empty. And then people keep like popping up, popping up behind him. And then just a complete a total gunfight happens in the precinct. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, is this like a is this funny? Is this a zany comedy? Is this satire? It's like Robocop. And it's this crazy dude who's like hearing voices and then Anthony Edwards gets on the PA system and starts pretending to be God. Oh, that's later on. That guy's on dust. Oh, is that later? Yes. That's right. Uh, he's this on is, this dust. Is, this is, he's on dust. You know what that means? <laughs> he's on dust. Uh, but this is, yeah, this is when he first arrives. And uh, and it's a gunfight between like hoodlums and cops that is just happening in the precinct. They have zero security in this precinct. Violence is constantly happening here. And, uh, and, Forrest Whitaker, this is our first introduction to Forrest Whitaker, comes out and holds a shotgun to <laughs> to Goose's head, which is not an easy thing to do. It's shotguns are long. And he's like, I'm crazy, man. I'll fucking blow his brains out. And the bad guys are going like, who are you? And why are you helping us? He's like, no, never mind or whatever. And this is just a trick, of course, that he uses. And he blows one of the guys away. And he's like, I'm a cop. Ha ha. And he, and he wins because he's the most badass cop. <laughs> Uh, and as we've discussed uh, many, many times on this podcast, Forrest Whitaker makes choices. Yes. <laughs> and he's he and he's making them here, baby. He is an interesting actor. It's very, yeah. The, the chemistry between them is weird. The relationship that they have doesn't really make much sense. It seems like they're trying to do like a lethal weapon thing, but it's not really working. Um, they're absolutely you know, we trying going, to do a lethal we, weapon thing. But like, but like if, if but if Murtaugh was like, a mean man with a rage problem. Yeah. He's it, just lonely because he needs friends. Also, I think Forrest Whitaker is really cute in this movie. Well, he's always really cute. It's Forrest Whitaker. Well, yeah. All the stuff where they go back to Forrest Whitaker's family <laughs> is very strange. It's 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 one night. His wife oh, is... We keep, no, we keep returning. Yeah, that's right. His wife is one night. His yes, wife is one night abyss. from the abyss. Yeah. That's an actor that I would like to have seen in more stuff. She's also Miles Dyson's wife in Terminator 2. That's right. Yeah, she rules. Uh, one night. I love her. Yeah, uh, but the, all the stuff with the family is very strange. It's very strange. The Beach Boys stuff. He, yeah. uh, uh, Goose introduces uh, Forrest Whitaker's kid to the Beach Boys. And it's very weird. Yeah, he's basically just like rubbing it in Forrest Whitaker's face. Like what a better dad he is to Forrest Whitaker's kids in that one scene. <laughs> he's like and playing he with all about of them. It too. Yeah, he's like, he's he's like, like pouting. Own house. They, they even for like three for like five seconds, they do that scene from Jaws where Roy Scheider and his kid are mirroring gestures. Do you remember this? Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. do. Like, it's really weird. Like, I'm constantly and then he does a whole he does a whole bit about Star Trek to get the kid to eat some steak. Yeah, I Anthony, hated that. Anthony that Edwards is very weird. 
Yeah, Anthony Edwards is described as an Eagle Scout. Uh, he's he's very he's like this by the like part. Some of the jokes in this movie are like that's not you know by the book. And Forrest Whitaker's doing like no, this is the way we do it in the city. You know that that whole thing. I also uh, felt like he was kind of it was kind of like a Judge Reinhold Beverly Hills Cop situation too. Yeah, yeah, I can see yeah. that. I can see that. Yeah. If if they, uh, I mean it's it's painted like he's so he's so. Um, green and so stuck up that he's going to get himself killed and he's going to get his partner killed like he's he's a liability out yeah. on the streets mm-hmm. yes yeah he's and he's and he is indeed getting eaten alive he, he is immediately forced to get dragged around by forrest whitaker by the chief yeah. do you remember do you know the name of the actor who plays the chief oh gosh what's his name he's uh, awesome he's in everything and he's like he's in die hard 2 he's in, of course die hard 2 and he's he's great in Die Hard too. And the bastards who did this will never know. Yes, he's got yeah. a hilarious voice, and he's in this movie up until the very end. All he does is scream. He's so stressed out. The guy, the guy is absolutely was born to play the angry police captain for sure. Mm-hmm. This is this is one of his lines where like and almost everything that he says to uh, to Goose is just screaming at him. But he's like fuck ups every backwoods candy ass shit for brains fuck up in the city. I got him. And then he calls him a bubble fuck. Yeah. Uh, at one point. <laughs> I like the part towards the end where he's he gets real mad at the Edwards. Uh, and he's like, nobody help this guy. Nobody help him. <laughs> if you see him in the precinct, shoot him. <laughs> he's really mad. And he's got a and he's got a, a a jar of jelly beans on his desk. So what yeah. I'm not screaming at everybody, I like to enjoy a delicious jelly bean. Help yourself to the jelly beans at my desk. It's pretty weird, uh, but I love that guy. He he's mostly just like a he's mostly just like a comedy bit in this movie. He's like just like a parody of the screaming chief. Yeah. He yeah, never he stops screaming. Along, yeah. Isn't there a chief like that in uh, Loaded Weapon One who just never isn't screaming? Yeah, and also in Last Action Hero, Frank McCray. I might be thinking of that, uh, but it's just it like at times this movie is like a parody. It's it's like a it has those elements, like sp- yeah. Spoof, but then at times it's people crying and talking about and talking about their feelings, and then horrible horrible acts of violence, shocking violence. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first one of those strange. is because okay, so Forrest Whitaker is trying to bust a ring of car thieves. Yeah. Uh, call back to also 1990s The Rookie, one of my favorite films. You can hear that on a very early Patreon. That's, that's right. We did um, that real quick on Patreon. Yeah. He's trying to bust these car thieves, and then uh, the bad guys. The the well, the first bad guy we really meet is is Joey Pants. Oh, Joey Pants is so weird in this. He's like a, <laughs> he he's is like so weird in this. Doing a doing a bad guy thing, and this he gets interrupted by his, a a cop, and he kills the cop. Yeah, he he's like he killer. pulls this whole thing where he like pretends to be a hostage. And then he tricks the cop and then he cuts the cop's throat. Well, this it, was also this was the guy's buddy. It's Anthony. An- yeah, Anthony it, turns Edwards out, friend. it turns out it's Anthony Edwards. best because friend Because he gave him a ride to work that day because yep. uh, he usually takes the, the bus. Ba- the bad urban people had yeah. looted his car and yeah. uh, he gave his friend a ride to work. And uh, then he pulls over because he sees some commotion in the alley. And that's when this whole thing goes down. Or Joey Pants like pretends to be a hostage, yeah, runs to the a- passenger seat. Joey Pants yes. is doing an accent. 
But what is the bit. accent? Well, no, when when he's pretending to be the hostage, he's he's doing like a oh, oh, Mr. Yeah. he's doing like a I don't know Middle Eastern accent or something like that. He's yeah. he's like playing a character. This gives you a perfect example of the bizarre tonal clash in this movie. Is that Joey P- in in like the course of one minute? Joey Pants is doing this silly like character. There's a lot of like flailing around in comic comical type business, and then when they're in the cop car together, Joey Pants pulls he his head back and slits his throat. his throat. He slits his fucking throat. It was very unexpected. Throat. Joey Pants is the Shane Black henchman heavy in this movie. Yeah, that's right. He's more you know, interesting he's, than the. He's uh, Gary Busey, or you know, um, uh, Taylor, Taylor uh, Negron, Milo from last. Yeah, Taylor Negron, Milo from Last Boy Scout. Yeah, like he's he's the guy who's like scarier and he's the scary muscle for the for the bad guy. Did you notice who Joey Pants's muscle was, though? Uh, tell me. Toon Man. Glenn That's Plummer, right. An yeah. early the, the great Glenn Plummer, an early plumber role from Speed, Speed 2 and Showgirls. Yeah. And his name is Valentine in this. Yep. But anyways, yeah, Joey Pants slits his fucking throat. And that and that happens about 20 minutes into this movie. And that's the part where I was just sort of like, what? Yeah. What is this? What kind of movie is this? There's been so much silliness and stuff. And then a character that we know and like has has had his throat slit and it gets crazier. It kind of does. There's another act of violence that happens a little later on that I was even more surprised by. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, let's now we're back to comedy business again. and, And like at a certain point. Um, Anthony Edwards goes into a scary like tenement uh, apartment and he's like in over his head and he tries to intercede between two people who are having a domestic uh, squabble and they just attack him and they tear his clothes off and so you get naked Anthony Edwards you get to see his butt you get to see his butt and uh, and he's and it's like haha it's like a police it's academy also joke. so it's also so weird because it's like he now he's determined to like find the guy's you know, who who are doing this car theft and who killed what is looks like his best friend. But then there's like shit like this where he's like, oh, man, they took my clothes, like that comedy <laughs> type of stuff. And it's yeah. like, are, are you devastated or not, my friend? Yeah, like, they, they have. Uh, it's the classic gag that you've seen a, a, a dozen 80s movies where they have t- torn his car apart. Um, like they stole everything in his car. So now he doesn't have a car. <laughs> These streets, man. And uh, but so you've got like those sorts of jokes and like real broad comedy. And then again, slots throats being slit or a scene where like Anthony Edwards, like cradles his girlfriend while they both cry because their their friend has been killed. Yeah. yeah. And then Forrest Whitaker's <laughs> wife, like begging him to like reach out and open up his heart because he, he it's OK. Like you might lose another beer, buddy, but like I can't lose you. And like really serious, like emotional moments like that. Yeah. sprinkled in it's very tonally all over the place for sure you need to open up your heart forest i can't because i've seen so much horror and then someone slips on a banana peel or something like that like, <laughs> yeah what? <laughs> what the fuck kind of movie is this you gotta pick a lane guys but honestly that kind of worked to this movie's favor because i was i was I constantly so. going i was constantly going just like well i don't know what's <laughs> gonna happen next it kept me pretty engaged even though it was a little bit splashy and a scatter shot yeah it was goofy scatter shot is really Definitely it was the word goofy. for it. And I do you guys did you guys watch all these in order? Like was this the last one you guys watched? Yeah, this, this was, was the last, last one, I one I watched. Yeah. Yeah, same. Um, so I think it kind of I think I'm glad it was the last one I watched. So oh, for sure. The, the goofiness kind of just like I don't know, it ended it on a good note. It yeah. doesn't it never completely abandons that tone either. Like it's even up, up to up, but up to the very end, parts... there's some like silly stuff happening. 
Yeah, they're definitely. But like the the every time the violence happens, it's really unpleasant and shocking. <laughs> It really is, especially because you're like, it's not doesn't it's not supposed to be this kind of movie. Yeah. Why did that they, thing they, happen uh, in this? The, so, I mean, the movie, the middle act of the movie, nothing really happens. It's mostly devoted to, like, them getting to know each other. Yeah. Like, that's where all the stuff for Anthony Edwards is, like, going to his house and hanging out with his kids is and stuff. And then, like, later, late in the movie with about half an hour left, they go to the old, the old precinct that, that, Anthony Edwards used to work for out in the rich suburbs to use their computer. That's right. And, they don't uh, have they don't have really, a computer downtown. No, no, they don't have a computer downtown. And also, uh, the chief, the the chief, the captain, Art Evans, is constantly telling them to like stay the fuck out of this case, like stop worrying about it. It's bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, they, and I feel like they they pinned they think they pinned it on some street gangs like the car thefts. Yes, because that's the whole because Mister White kills one of the black guys and like sort of pins it on him. Um, they go to use the computer and they figure out that probably what's happening is that Jerome Sweet is it's like sending these stolen cars out of the country and then re-importing them with drugs inside through like with the, the help of the police. Yeah, yeah, because they don't need to check or like monitor the police customs. vehicles that come through yeah. with the police, the police guide or whatever the fuck. Exactly. And so there's on that the one back... scene when they're looking for, for drugs and he's like tearing up the insides of the car to try to find where they hide the drugs and the drugs are just like right out in the open in the trunk. Yeah. yeah. He's like, we, we don't need to hide things. We'll do yeah. it right out in the broad. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, like later, Anthony Edwards is like, who cares if they come back weighing a little more? Yeah. 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 Um, cops. They're corrupt. Cops. cops are great. A cap. <laughs> um, <laughs> So but on the way back from that little road trip, they're driving down the, the road. And this part, I think this part is shot in L.A. Okay. Uh, but uh, they're driving down the road and suddenly here comes Joey Pants with a shotgun and he just nails Forrest Whitaker through the fucking car. <laughs> it's so. <laughs> Which just totally surprised me. Yeah. And then Forrest Whitaker's just not in the movie for like 15 yeah. minutes. He's hospitalized <laughs> I, for the I rest of the movie. I kept having to be like, he's in the hospital. That's where he is. It's so and shocking. He doesn't. He does not appear in the climax of the film. You think it? You think it's like a, a dream sequence or something like that? You're like that can't have just happened. So weird. Like that dude yeah. didn't just like in the middle and 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 there was some funny business happening just before that because Forrest Whitaker's driving and also trying to like read something at the same time and they're swerving around. It's like ha ha ha. Yeah. And then and I then mean, even guy, before that, even before that, when they're in the fancy rich precinct, uh, precinct, he's like, "Where are the criminals? I want to see some criminals. This place is too clean." He's being very comedic. Yeah, yeah. Forrest Whitaker trying to do like broad comedy is is something to see, um, <laughs> but but yeah. So it's like very silly, and there's there's they finally started to get along, and then Joey Pants pulls up next to him, points a shotgun. He's about four feet away, points a shotgun at Forrest Whitaker's face, and pulls the trigger. He shoots him in the face with a shotgun. I, I honestly couldn't believe that Forrest Whitaker survived. <laughs> He just has like bandages sort of like wrapped around his head, I guess, to pull his head back together <laughs> to keep again. his head together. Yeah. I thought it was it was it almost seemed like a joke, but I don't think it was where like you see this uh, this this guy get his head blown off with a shotgun, essentially. And then the next thing you see is a doctor going like the surgery was a success. We think he's going to pull through You know, like the surgery to put his head back together. Uh, right. To scoop his head up and like put it. It worked. It's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> And it gets more violent. It's like an even violenter thing. Happens. Oh, it does. Yes. Yeah. So, and even more, a couple of really, uh, really crazy pieces of, pieces of violence happen at the end. Yeah. Uh, Fucking nuts. Oh, and we forgot, we forgot that Anthony Edwards' superior officer at the beginning 
shows up at the end because he's yes. the guy that made him go made him go downtown. Yes, and he's he in on it. Disappears from the rest of the movie, but he shows up at the end, and we know he's in on it. He's uh, in on it. Someone gets to shoot him. I think that the that the um, Art Evans kills Art him. Evans gets to kill him. There's this really cool moment where he's like, uh, you know, what is his name? I forget what the guy's rank is. It's like captain, and the guy's like <laughs> inspector, and then they oh, just shoot yeah. each other. <laughs> just blows him away. Give you a one's kind like of... higher up on the ladder, and the other one's yeah, like yeah, down yeah. below. That yeah, they're cool. like he's got the high ground. Yeah. To give you an idea just how like scattershot, as Matt said, this movie is like it's just like uh, completely unprompted that Art like shows up. Art Evans shows up at the end, too, because the last thing that we heard him say was like, I don't want you bringing this stuff to me. Get the fuck out of my office. Anybody, everybody shoot this guy. And then the next scene, he's like, I I guess he he is a good guy. And he shows up and he saves. Yeah, it's just gets gets caught. He gets kidnapped by Mr. White, by Joey Pants, and they're going to kill him. Yep. And so first, uh, David Clennon shows up in monologues for a bit. He, pr- he practices and, uh, his speech. Yeah. He's like, oh, I have we to forgot make his- about the weird, the weird thing where Joey Pants character is like really into like weird science and ecology and stuff. Biospheres. Biospheres. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. <laughs> He's got yeah. a book. Yeah. They're like, give this guy a weird thing to like. That'll flesh out the character. Yeah. Biospheres. Um, they're the wave of the future. But in any case, they, their, their evil plan is to, uh, throw Anthony Edwards into a giant industrial wood chipper <laughs> before they ship the wood chippers overseas to get filled with drugs. It's kind I, of, I don't know. It's kind of funny too, where Anthony, they're like dragging him to the wood chipper and Anthony Edwards is going like, Hey, can you guys just like shoot me? I don't know why yeah. you guys have to, you don't have to put me in there. Just shoot me or do something else. Why does it have to be this? That's kind of yeah. funny. And then, then that's, that's the exact the moment when Art Evans shows up. He's like, I guess I had a change of heart. With the cavalry and know. a bunch of a bunch more cops get killed in this scene that's very violent <laughs> and then there's like a crazy car chase where um uh so there's there's the two bad guys that we just we have to dispatch jerome jerome sweet and uh and yeah. joey pants and i think yeah it's joey pants because i recorded this that's one of the stranger car i don't even know if it counts as a car chase because there's only one car but he's, dr- just, he's awesome. just hanging on. Yes. Uh, so Joey Pants well, is he's, like, he's strangling Anthony Edwards through the sunroof of the car. Yeah. Hanging out the sunroof. And, yeah. and and Anthony Edwards is just driving around. And there's a one part when he drives up. This is wildly dangerous. Awesome. This is wildly dangerous. It has to be where Joey Pants, or obviously the stuntman, is hanging out the top of this, the, the sunroof of this thing, half of his body out. And then the car, the car goes off of like a ramp and like jumps and you see the body like flail backward like this. How? Yeah, yeah. they're it like ragdolling his fucking body. Easily, I was yeah. like, all his bones would be broken. Yeah, it, yeah, it like, they, like he hit. He looks like he hits his neck on the sunroof of the car. It must be a dummy or something. <laughs> I, I rewound re- and watched it a couple times. It's a guy I, or at least a, or a very good dummy. But I, I was reminded for some reason this popped into my head that scene in True Lies. Where they go? Yeah. Where they go? Are the nukes gonna? Are the missiles gonna set off those nukes? And they're like, "That's a negative, negative, negatory." And then he goes like, "Uh." And it's like, yeah. "Is the stunt gonna break this guy's back?" Nope, nope. It's gonna be fine. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Jeez. There's also a really cool part after that some... where uh, they dr- the where they drive they away. Keep, they keep driving. They just drive away. <laughs> it's and a everybody's funny just standing Everyone around waits. Going like, what? And then they come back. It was so cool. It's weird. I loved that. They all just like wait to see what'll happen. And then you see the headlights in the distance coming back. And then so what good. happens? And oh my then God. what happens, then guys? He, then he drives straight into one of the wood chippers and Joey Pants flies off the roof into the, right into the wood chipper and just gets splattered. Just it was turns a into perfect goo. fit. Joey Pants. Just, 
pure he, goo. He somehow Joey just Pace. like was perfectly <laughs> lined up to go straight from that car into the wood chipper, which awesome. was like it, and like the entrance to the wood chipper was like perfectly fit his the width of his body. <laughs> yeah, so good. Right. <laughs> so Joey Loved Pants it. goes. Joey Pants goes into the uh, wood chipper in this movie, guys. Uh, I will be posting that as well. I mean, it's yeah. quite something. I was already, it's just one of those things, just this, like that final scene in Shakedown where you're like, this movie doesn't have anything left. It's already been so crazy. And then it's got, well, nope, we got one more thing no. for you. And, like, and Forrest, Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker's still in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, he has not been present for any of this. He missed. I also this. really liked uh, the end where he, then, then after he kills Joey Pants, he has to chase uh, David Clennon down, who's driving away in, a, in his Porsche. That's right. Another car chase. A, they have a car chase. And then after that ends in a in a wreck, David Clutt is just sitting there bleeding in his car, just like totally dazed. Yeah. Oh, they both awesome. they both are like they're both shaking. They're all fucked up. Because they're this, so fucked up. Because like this me this com- morning. Because comedic business horrified them so much or whatever. That's not wow. <laughs> what I looked like. <laughs> we got through it. Uh, but yes, and then uh, so that so now Anthony Edwards, like Jerome Sweet's been busted. There's a mirroring of his of his trying to bust him at the beginning, where he's like license and registration, please. And now at the end, he's they're all covered in blood, and he's like license and registration, please. You know, so ha. And now uh, and now Anthony Edwards is back in the hospital again. He's right next to Forrest Whitaker, and yeah. I'll be damned if he isn't playing his beloved Beach Boys music again. Uh, you know. Oh yeah. One of those He's... classic old Beach Boys songs, Surfer Girl or whatever the fuck. And they ha- and it is Surfer Girl. And this is where it becomes clear that they let you keep your gun in the hospital. Yeah. They gave him this gun. Okay. So, so like, Anthony Edwards is like, hey, buddy. And Forrest is like, hey, okay. And then he turns on the Beach Boys, and he's, like, singing along to it. And Forrest Whitaker's going, like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he pulls out his gun and, like, aims it at the boombox. And, and then it goes out on him on the, on the gunshot going off. And then we roll credits. And so I have the strange. same exact boombox. That boombox. Nice. You have it? I sent the picture to the text. Oh, I missed it. Uh, yeah, I got but my, my, a... Mine's pink, though, but it's the same exact model and everything. That's so cool. <laughs> I was like, yeah, my boombox. It's an awesome boombox. There's a boombox in Shakedown, too. It's a real mm-hmm. boombox of Palooza. And in both cases, <laughs> that, that's will... what we should call the episode. <laughs> boombox of Palooza. <laughs> Buddy Boombox of Palooza. There's got to be a boombox somewhere in Renegades, like in the background or something. Oh, I'm we'll sure. Find one. And then there's an and then this this song, this movie, you better fucking believe this movie has its own rap song where the lyrics yeah. recount the, the the events of the movie. And it is, <laughs> it's called Downtown by Def Jeff. And Travis is about to sing it for all of us. Hey, Whee! everybody. It's a downtown. And we're doing it. it. Yabba dabba do. That was pretty good. Downtown and a yabba dabba do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it it really delivers whatever it is that it's delivering. I'll, Everything. I'll, I'll tell you that. This movie's got a lot going for All it. All of it. Sort of. It <laughs> undeniably has a lot going on. Delightful. I'll, I'll, like, there's a thing at, at the very beginning uh where you see these cops like getting going into the precinct and the camera deliberately pans over to this sign that says keep off the grass and nothing happens and you're like what's that's interesting what was that shot all about it's so they can pay off with a visual gag at the very end when those cars yep. drive up on the grass it's like exactly. a it's like an hour <laughs> I did and not a half, even catch that like an hour and a half long payoff setup and payoff joke sort of thing like what what is bizarre movie uh i have 
tons of lines. Uh, this is this is Forrest Whitaker talking about uh, his son who now likes the Beach Boys, and he's and he's talking to and this is after their friends. He's talking to Anthony Edwards about what his son said. He's, he goes, he said, the Beach Boys said surfing is, and I quote, bitching. You stay away from my children. That's pretty funny. But they're, but they're buddies at this time. Oh, my God. There's a scene. This is so weird. Maybe even the weirdest part of the movie, because as we all well know, Forrest Whitaker doesn't want to get close to Anthony right. Edwards because he lost a partner earlier on in his life. It's, it's He's hurt deep down inside. Hurt people hurt people. <laughs> and uh, and they're they're like fighting each other now. It's like all reached ahead, and, and and Anthony Edwards is like, "Why can't you just be like friends with me? Why oh, you got to yeah. be mean all the time?" And they're fighting and and everything like that. And he goes, "He's like, you don't, you really don't understand, because I don't want to see you get hurt." And I thought then, they were gonna then, kiss. And then he like starts crying, and they have like a real sincere like moment. It's so crazy, man. Uh, I don't. Oh, did we talk about? Did we talk about? I know we mentioned it early on but then we didn't go back to it i don't think the but dust? the yeah the, the whole dust situation and anthony edwards on the on the megaphone or whatever intercom yep a lot going on here do you <laughs> did, did you you're 10 years younger than us i believe right or, or if not more so you didn't you weren't exposed to the angel dust um fear-mongering no i only 80s? know it from these movies Angel Dust was presented to kids as the ultra the super drug it's like, like bath salts for my generation i think PCP. that's right it's yeah. pc it's pcp and yeah. it was and it was like there were they're okay so they like marijuana is obviously terrible cocaine is like the worst and heroin is like you will you will die if you even look at heroin <laughs> but, but you're gonna angel, do some weird ass angel, shit <laughs> but angel dust it will like turn you into a like a, a comic book villain or something yeah like yeah angel dust is the one that makes you fight nine cops at the same time you think you can fly off a building all this sort of stuff, and this movie is a hundred percent on board. So, like when the, when this this guy is being all crazy, a cop goes up and goes, "He's on dust." You're supposed to know He's what that dust. means. They're like, "Oh shit, dust!" The fictional fictionalized drug that makes you into a supervillain. And this guy, <laughs> and this guy is being is being like, "Jesus is talking to me," and he told me I need to blow this little girl's head off. And this guy is pointing a gun at a little girl's head. Yeah, like, because they're letting Lord. kids just like hang play in the police station i guess so and uh and he's like I, i'm gonna blow because god wants me to kill this kid now anthony edwards this is one of the first things that he does that finally gets him to start winning over people in the precinct uh he's got the like uh announcer he's got the microphone for the intercom and he's behind the desk importantly <clears throat> a few minutes earlier on he went to a black diner and ate like hog guts or something like that so he's constantly like going to puke and so he's talking on the thing and he's going like, hi, it's me. I'm God. And I'm talking to you. And I say, I don't want you to kill that kid. And the guy's like, what? You're not a you're not really God. You're a liar. And then he goes, oh, yeah. And then he pukes and the sound that he the sound of him puking into the mic scares the guy. And he goes like, oh, you really do. You really are scary. And then he puts his gun down. And then Anthony Edwards has to go home and take a bath because he's covered in puke, apparently. <laughs> and there's that shot of people like peering over the desk to see what he's doing and and just like, Ugh, we we are, disgusted. We are, yeah, we're spared the sight of it, fortunately. But yeah, apparently he just puked all over the That's place. That's another one of those just super weird, weird fucking moments. <laughs> it's very weird. It's a weird fucking movie. It's this is a weird movie. It's really strange. It doesn't sound like any of the scenes we've talked about belong in the same film. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. 
like they mashed together a serious cop movie and like uh the naked gun or something like that <laughs> like there's stuff that is farcical that is like straight up visual gags and and police academy style goofy humor and shit but then like crying and like full on people like full shocking violent acts and stuff it's just <laughs> truly bizarre uh, at one point, Anthony Edwards is wearing a Run DMC shirt, and then uh, Penelope Ann Miller goes, "I especially like it how someone wrote fuck Whitey' on the sleeve." Uh, uh, I kind of want nice. that. I want that shirt, man. <laughs> Pretty cool. Oh, I liked this banter. Right, this is actually really funny. When they're first in the car together, and and Forrest Whitaker is is completely dismissive. Anthony Edwards doesn't just doesn't want him around or anything, and he's like, Anthony Edwards says that he went to a private school. And uh, d- doesn't know what a public school is like. And Forrest Whitaker goes, any any minorities there? And Anthony Edwards goes, well, yeah, we had one my freshman year. And Forrest goes, so you're not a stranger to the black experience. That's <laughs> 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 pretty funny. Uh, anybody else got lines? No, you pretty much nailed them. All right. Raise. Yeah, I just had he's on dust. He's on dust. Uh, I'm going to give us three Judds. It's so weird. It's but so when it when it when it ramps up, it really ramps up. Um, no, no Douglases. Yeah, uh, no. They didn't, Unless you want to count, they didn't find a way to get some boobies in here. That's wild. I don't recall any. I think no that that's boobs. right, though. I think that no B, no uh, BGBs. Yeah. The better uh, business I'm gonna bureau. Give it, uh, I'm going to give it ten out of ten liquefied Joe Pantolianos. Nice. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing that really really happens. Uh, I, I'm giving it three Judds too. What a what a what a joy what a I guess joyful experience watching this movie because just not I'd never heard of this before. So going from like not from knowing jack shit about it and then just like you know having the whole thing unfold is is very fun. It's kind of like why I like watching movies. Like holy shit, here's a thing I didn't know could exist. Uh, it's re- it's really strange. Um, I'm gonna give it. Zero Douglases. I just can't recall any there being anything. Which is oh no, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a half a Douglas for Anthony Edwards' butt. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anthony Edwards' sweet sweet butt. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to give it ten out of ten Anthony Edwards' butts. <laughs> okay, I'll give it a three as well. Um. Lots of different stuff happened in this movie. None of it was really cohesive and worked together as a whole, but I was enjoying seeing what happened next. That's for sure. Uh, and that the wood chopper, chopper, yeah, the wood chipper, the wood chopper, the wood chopper thing was How weird. How much chop would a wood chip chip with a yeah. anyway? I mean, honestly, guys, I'm surprised I made it this far. Um, <laughs> and then I'm gonna give it zero Douglases. And I'm gonna give it a bucket of hog gut puke. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! All it's worth. <laughs> bucket of hog gut puke. What a sentence! Oh boy. All right. Well, shit, man. We did it. We did it. We, did it. we yes. made it. Yeah. <laughs> What's the? What are we doing next time? Matt's next got a good time, one. Next time we got a good one for next time. We've got uh, 1986's Heat. Starring Burt Reynolds. Oh, boy. Not to be mistaken for the Michael Mann film. All right. 1987's Rent-A-Cop starring, wait for it, Burt Reynolds. Oh, boy. Are you mm-hmm. noticing a pattern? 
and 1989's Physical Evidence, starring, that's right, Burt Reynolds. Boo! We yeah, haven't we have quite some... decided on a title, but we've got some good we got ones. Some good we might ones. put them up on Twitter. I think we're, we're going to do a Twitter because we've we got should. a lot of good ones. Uh, Burt's so good. Burt's so good. Reynolds, Reynolds rap. rap. Uh, Matt had another one. I'll come up Vertigo. with one. Vertigo. Vertigo. <laughs> yeah, Vertigo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll put it up on Twitter. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. Uh, so that'll be next. Until then, do what? Uh, follow us on Patreon. We got all kinds of good stuff on there where Kevin still lives. Kevin uh, lives Patreon. there, and it's a low price of four ninety five to hear. Four fifty. Four fifty. It's, it's even cheaper than that. It's even cheaper. It's to, even cheaper. Uh, hear everyone talk about other movies that you don't get on this main feed. Absolutely. Uh, we got the Dread episode, Bull in the Head. We got a couple real barn burners uh, coming up, coming too, up that, we, yeah. that we just recorded yesterday. Classic episodes. Uh, so follow us on there. You shan't regret it. There's so much for for, for your so much bang for your buck. Uh, rate us on iTunes. It really helps. Five stars only, please. And, yeah. uh, you know, follow all of us individually or follow the Suspense is Killing Us account on Twitter and Instagram. You know, I'll still try to work on my Fuck You, It's Me, Rachel Vice t-shirt idea. <laughs> yes. I yes, have a please. lot of good merch ideas churning in the old <laughs> noggin, so we'll see what happens with that. God, I, I will be the first to buy uh, to buy that shirt when it comes. <laughs> yeah, for real. I can't wait. Oh, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Um, we made it. It was touch. It was touch and go, but we made it through. I and, ate. Uh, I ate a bunch of leftover Chinese food, and probably no one noticed except for you guys who saw me do it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't notice. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, but you didn't get by. You didn't sneak it by, Matt. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just hungry. I watched you eat that. Looked good. That was really good. Well, now we can go eat because it's over with. Yeah. All right. Until next time, the suspense is killing us. Good. Bye. Bye. Survival is the name of the game downtown. It's not the place to be if you don't know your way around. Cause they don't play around in this part of town. Last night this kid was found in an alley with a bullet in the back of his head. Over what? A bottle of crack and he's dead. And everyone claimed that they didn't see nothing. But yo, somebody had to see something. But don't ask the man with the brown pitch bag in his hand. Eat food off the garbage can. Cause he'll start telling you gory old war stories. About how he served his country. Served his sergeant, got the purple heart. Now he's living on the street, trying not to starve. But he don't want a job, he just wants to be left alone in his home street home downtown.